The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome in, everybody. Yet another week where you're kind of like, all right, is it Tuesday? Is it Wednesday? Is it Thursday? It is Wednesday, my friends. Welcome in, everybody. Happy, happy Sports Take Day. That is Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. Let me say what's up to everybody in the chat first, Tone, before we get to our pleasantries. What's up, Hollywood Hogan? What's up, Jimmy? What is up, Chuck? Brotherly Tough, Philly 07, uh, MC, Trey, Kaiza, James, Oh, you hope you guys are all doing well. And Tone, how you doing, my friend? How's everything with you? I'm doing good, man. Um, I can't really complain too much. Woke up, I feel good. I slept, I slept all right. Um, I'm healthy. You know what I mean? Uh, didn't receive any bad news throughout the night, so I feel pretty good, man. I feel awesome. pretty good. How about you? Yeah, well, yeah, good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, a lot to do today. What's up, Chuck? What's yes. up, everybody? Uh, no, good, man. I uh. It's going to be an interesting day Eagles-wise. Um, they get back to practice today, which means they speak, you know, as well. And A.J. Brown tweeted out last night that he was going to speak. So we, we're going to hear from him uh, on just what's going on right now. And, you know, Nick Sirianni on a bunch of different outlets, whether it was meeting with the media, whether it was on uh, his, his weekly appearance that he does with WIP, said basically A.J.'s a great teammate. We're good. I've talked to him. I understand his frustration. He's a competitor. Competitors get frustrated. That's just the way it goes, et cetera. But we're going to hear it directly from A.J. where we can end the speculation as to exactly what's going on here. And, and that's the good thing for me. I, I would rather yeah. – see, I don't – as I said to you, and we talked about this a couple times this week, I don't, I don't blame A.J. Um, I, I think that he's – frustrated i think he has uh, right to be frustrated not not that he doesn't get his touch or targets he does but i think he's frustrated with the overall output of the offense um and i think he's trying to do his best not to make a, a bad situation worse now i understand the counter to it hey by not talking you know but it's going to lead to speculation and you're, you're kind of leaving your teammates on the hook to have to answer for you and all that i get i get that and i respect that but i think he, ultimately he is trying to do right here, but the bottom line is, I think he realizes you can't let this linger, and eventually you got to talk, and he's going to do it today. 
Yeah, I think um, I think I think uh, two spats or two. Uh, he did it twice. This is the second. You know, the, he's right. he's officially talking now, but you know, he did it twice. You know, two two, two weeks in a row. I think yeah. that's a that's a you know that, that that's a fair warning or that's a fair um. You know, you're right. It's about time to get back to you know talking and explaining. Right, that's a decent amount of time to kind of make your point. Um. I've never really, you know, there was a point where I, I did look at AJ sideways, but it was ma- it was mainly because of the Twitter jargon he was spewing, right? You know, I didn't really, you know, the sideline. I agree stuff, with that. I agree with that. The sideline stuff, if I'm being frank, if I'm being honest with myself, didn't really bother me in real time, yeah. um, because I because you know, and I, I, I would be frustrated with him, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but it kind of made him look worse because they were winning. Yeah. So. When you're winning and you see someone frustrated on the sideline, they appear like a bad teammate. They yeah. appear selfish. But when we look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and we and if we're honest with ourselves, the issues that we're seeing today have always existed. Um, they've just been exposed to a higher degree, and they can't hide it anymore. And now all of a sudden, AJ Brown's looking like, you know, Nostradamus, a guy that already <laughs> saw the writing on the wall, and the right. frustrated for the frustration was already existent, and. You know how you know how some people say, "Listen, listen, man, don't have a problem all of a sudden." You know when things are going bad. If you if you got a problem with something, you know you speak on when things are going good. Sure. And maybe and maybe he was speaking on things while they were going behind good. the scenes, right? Behind the scenes, and you know maybe his frustration was saying, "Listen, uh, yeah, we're winning, but this isn't sustainable. We're better than this. We got we we, we got to we got to you know shift the narrative or or, or change the the, the 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 tone or the pacing of this offense, right? Maybe yeah. he already saw what we were." Uh, trying desperately to not see or desperately to avoid. Right. Mm-hmm. So now, now he's looking like a genius, you know, now he's looking like a guy who already knew something was wrong with his offense and was trying to voice his frustrations in the best way he knew how. Right. And, you know, now he, now I, I, I'm not even, I'm not even mad at the dude. You know, I look at AJ Brown as a guy, you know, as a matter of fact, um, Jordan Milada, I think he was on WRP yesterday or the day before he was. Yep. And um, he spoke about how, you know, AJ, he took the guys out, you know, to, you know, to an escape room, you know, for them to, you know, you know, get team out. Bonding and stuff, right. Yeah, team bonding stuff. So, and and that was prior to the Arizona game. And if you notice that Arizona game, the offense actually played the best they did in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. They were the most, they were efficient. They were effective. Yeah, just um, like opportunities, really. Other than that last drive, I yeah, had a huge they, issue yeah. with the second to last drive. But yeah, they, I agree. They, la- they lacked opportunities because defense couldn't get off the field. And that last drive, the coaches botched that. Yes. Completely botched it. Yep. Um, so I felt like that Arizona game was probably the most clean of offense they played over the past month of December. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they still lost the game. And then you have that final series of quarterback draw, quarterback draw, bubble screen. And then Fox did an amazing job panning to AJ the moment that they went down. Oh, they know and, now. Now they know. Their director knows. We better find 11. We find 11, we're going to get some reaction. You know that. And he was frustrated. Right, rightfully so. Right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's first and 20, and the best you come up with is draw, draw, bubble screen. So Terrible. Terrible. Um, the frustration is is definitely warranted. Um, but I am curious to see what he says today because, uh, you know, they're going to – I would imagine, you know, McMullen. You oh, they're going to press him. McLean, all those Kim, guys. Kimsky, McLean. Yeah. Um, Tolentino. Mm-hmm. Um, 
who who else we got down there? Man? Martin Frank. I got. Um, uh, yeah, I'm sure. Mike Chris, Frank, Chris, Chris Franklin. Sealski. You got guys who are not afraid to be bulldogs. Yeah, they're they're, they're all going to push the button. They're going to find. They're going to find out. So where were you? You know, why didn't you speak? Um, where's this frustration stemming from? Um, yep. Is it coaching related? Is it player related? And he's going to do his best to bob and weave. And um, I'm pretty sure after over the past two weeks, he's thought about how he's going to handle this. And I'm pretty sure he's already been prepped about the potential questions that are coming. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, ultimately we'll see how this thing pans out. But um, A.J. Brown already knew what we were trying desperately to ignore. Yeah. And now it's all coming to a head. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. So there's that. And again, um, you know, we'll, we'll pass along anything that we're we're hearing throughout the course of the show. I thought this was interesting too, Tone. Uh, Brian Baldinger, who's who's been on the show uh, many times, great, unbelievable breakdown that he does. He, you know, you can catch Baldy on Fox and uh, Westwood One, etc. He does a lot of different things, but uh, he also does a show for PHLY Philly. And you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the gist of it is, he talked about how out of shape. He, he thinks Jordan Davis is when he's watching the film, he's basically just kind of laying on guys and is just totally, you know, non-productive at this point in the season to the point where he questions why he's even dressing. I mean, that, that's a, that's a pretty strong statement um, wow. when, when you're even, you know, I mean, you're not talking about some guy who was some borderline special teamer who was a 50, you know, 50th man on the roster or whatever. You're talking about a first round pick last year um, who was started most of the season for you at that defensive tackle spot, or at least been in and out of there with, you know, with Jalen Carter and, and, and Fletcher, et cetera. The, the fact that he's talking about potentially him not even dressing because he's that, you know, out of it at this point, that's really damning, man. Really damning. Yeah. Especially for a guy that we thought came a long way in terms of his conditioning. And, you know, we saw it, right. We saw the difference in the motor, especially in the first half of the season prior to the bye week, we saw the difference in the motor. And his motor lasted a bit longer than it did the previous season. And they have him playing significantly more snaps. And obviously, over the past several weeks after the bye, the defense hasn't been able to get off the field. So they've been on the field for 70-plus snaps on average. So all all that is working against him. And that's not me making an excuse for him. He should be in shape, period. Yeah, He's Um, in his second season. He's not a rookie. Yeah, you're, you're in your second season. You know what's coming. Um, and then now, now I'm curious, just from a layman's standpoint, a guy that's that size, how do they, how, how do they endure the rigors of an NFL season? Right. You know, I've, I've, I've always been curious about how, how does a 340 pound guy stay in shape, um, you know, to stay effective for an 18 week season. As the season um, goes on, I mean, think about it, Tone. You know, you start to hit like holiday. I'm being real here, like holidays, mm-hmm. where guys may eat a little bit more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, it's a lot of a lot of real world stuff that goes on that may keep you exactly. out of shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to pop. Tone's got to yep. pop off. Just go pop right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You got it, man. Um, no, and and that's one of the concerns that I, you know, that that everybody had about him in college, really, in all the Georgia players. It's a weird thing because Georgia had so much talent that they were constantly rotating people, right? And it was a revolving door of a lot of talented players, but they didn't play a ton of snaps for a couple of reasons. One, because they had so many good players. And two, because a lot of times they were blowing teams out. And, you know, the the knock on Jordan Davis was, could he be able to play the snaps 
that you need to play at the NFL level? Would he be able to hold up physically at the NFL level? And, and the thing is, you know, last year, I can understand it a lot more his rookie year. It's, it's, it's a lot. You know, you're getting used to the longer season. Basically, at Georgia, he was probably playing around 13 games-ish, you know, give or take. Um, and he had to, you know, he had to get used to the NFL. And he told us, you know, in the offseason, although he didn't lose weight, he was, he was a much better conditioned player going into this year. Well, the problem is, you know, he got about through 10 games, nine games, whatever, if you want to talk about up to the bye week. And he had, really hasn't been the same guy since. That's a problem, you know. And I think part of Jordan not being effective is hurting his the, the line mate who's lining up directly next to him, whether that's Jalen Carter or Fletcher Cox or whatever the case may be. His lack of productivity, you know, team's not really fearing him. That's a problem. That's a problem. So, um, you know, that's something as we go forward here, that the Eagles are going to have to figure out if they want this guy, guy to be impactful. And right now, the problem is the only impact that you're getting from your three first-round picks in the last two years is from Jalen Carter. And even he slowed down a little bit, but it's more understandable because he's a rookie. But Nolan Smith has given you nothing. Mm -hmm. Jordan Davis right now is giving you nothing. You know, and Jalen Carter's, I, th I think, doing the best that he can, but he's a little bit gassed as well. So, Tone, that's three first-round picks. And, and okay productivity out of one and not much and virtually nothing out of the other two. Yeah. If you want, if you want to take it a step further, if you want to, if you, if, if you want to, you know, look at their top four Georgia prospects, right. Which, which were uh, JD, N'Kobe Dean, uh, Jalen Carter yeah. and Nolan Smith. Those yep. are, those are, those are, those were supposedly their top four, Georgia products and quite frankly they're only getting legitimate production um, from one. Out, of one, out of one of them yeah. um J Jordan Davis he looked like he turned the corner he came out like gangbusters it's like he 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 started every game yeah. he was effective mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden post bye week he's kind of falling off a cliff mm -hmm. they all have mm -hmm. so uh think about this tone last 5 games they've given up 105 points after halftime that's unacceptable it I mean, is part of that that they're not well-conditioned? Is part of this the soft training camps? I mean, I know we all loved it last year because they had all 22 starters ready to rock and roll in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But are these guys out of shape? Is that part of the reason why they're not able to, to hold up in the second half? I, I'm just asking questions. I'm trying to dig into what, what the answers no, are. No, I mean, I mean, listen, and all those questions are valid, and they deserve to be asked. Look, you know, the league already makes it hard for these guys to get on the grass in the offseason in the first place. You know, yeah. all, all, everything is collectively bargained and. Uh, you know, they're trying to um, do right by the players, but the lack of grass time is affecting the conditioning on the field is affecting the overall product. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this is more so a league issue than just an Eagle issue. But the, but the fact that we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles, it's damning, you know, right. You know, we look at other teams that are at the top of the top and I don't know if conditioning are, is the conversations that they're having, right. A guy like Fletcher Cox has been in the league for a long time. I can't remember the last time we talked about his conditioning. Yeah. Um, you know, so Jordan Davis, I don't know if he has to cut, you know, you know, uh cut some weight. Um, whatever he has to do to, you know, to get his body in in, in peak form, but it, it it ultimately it is it is unacceptable at this point in the season where everything is coming to a head. 
the last thing you want to be an issue is conditioning. That's the last thing that should be an issue, right? If anything, you should be ramped up and your body should be used to whatever you're experiencing. I'll but tell you that. that's not the case. There's, there's no two ways about it. The defense has been horrendous, horrendous, yes. you know, and we, we could talk about some of the shortcomings on offense and, and there are some for sure. Uh, but the defense has been terrible. They can't stop the pass. They can't stop the run. They can't get off the field on third down. Uh, it really doesn't matter at this point. They've given up 34 touchdown passes. That's the second most in franchise history. And, but that's why I, that's year, why I look at it like I can't. The run. They don't stop the run anymore. Exactly. And, and that's why I look at this team like, how are we supposed to just assume they're going to go into the playoffs and beat the Bucks or beat the Rams or who, who or who, whoever, whoever it is? How can we just assume mm-hmm. that, 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 that that's going to be the case? We can't assume anything about this team. We can't. You know, just be, like you know, you no know, matter no, how, I don't think so. I don't how think favorable, so. how, how favorable the offense, how favorable the offensive numbers look on paper, can't assume anything about this team at this point. There's nothing about them that's consistent. There's nothing about them that's stable. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about them that's reliable at this point. I'm with you. I mean, any, anybody who tells you going into, I don't mean the Giants game, but but following week, whoever they map with right now, Bucks. Anybody who tells you like they have uber confidence in this team, they're kidding themselves. I mean, they're, they're just trying to tell themselves that. It's not based off of what you've seen. If it's based off of what you've seen, you go into that game scared to death. Like, do I think ultimately the Eagles will beat um, one of those teams from the South if, if everything stays the way it is right now? Yes, I do. But can I tell you I feel confident about it? No. What am I basing that off of? I'm, I, the defense can't, can't catch a cold. The offense – um, while better than the defense, still has it, its its ups and downs, and you know you're you're still scratching your head at some of the stuff that you see, and they still turn the ball over at a crazy rate. So no, I I I don't feel good at all uh, about where things are. And I'll tell you, Tone, there's nothing they can do in this Giants game that is going to in any way, shape, or form move the needle for me. Like they could go out there and win fifty-two to nothing, and I'm not feeling better about it. I'm not. Yeah, there's been too much damage done the last four or five weeks. Exactly. Um, let's let, let's really map out this collapse, right? Because you know, over the past few weeks, Nick Sirianni's credibility in his job um, has been called into question, rightfully so, by the way. Mm-hmm. But let's really let, let's really map out this, you know, this demise, right? Let's really map it out. Um, you have you have a team. Hey, question: Can you hear that in the background? I don't hear anything. Okay, awesome, great. So yeah, yeah let's um. Okay, awesome. I know Tom's um, getting some work done. At work done at his uh, at his place. No big deal. That's yeah. life, man. It's all good. Um, believe me, man. Yeah, I've yeah. Been through, I've been through it, brother. Trust me, Listen, man. This is the, this is also the price we pay working from home, right? You know, you, you, a lot of things can happen around you. Um, no, listen, but, but nonetheless, you're so let's. You're all good, dude. Thanks, I, I appreciate yeah. it. Let's map out where this thing went wrong. Right, mm-hmm. they were ten and one after yep. beating. The Chiefs and the Bills. They yep. were 10 and 1. They were riding high. They had a two-game lead on everyone in the conference. Two-game lead. You lose to San Fran. You lose to the Cowboys. Now you're pretty much in a dead heat with all those teams now. Right. You tie you you, you allowed it to tie up, but yet you still had control. Mm-hmm. You still had control. Okay. Um, I think at that point, Dallas loses. Uh, San Fran still wins. Dallas lost two. Dallas lost two in a row. 
Right. San, San Fran continues to win, and then they lose against the Ravens. And you get and, and, and you get a gift. You okay, still have maybe, life. Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe the number one seed is a little harder to achieve, but at the very least, you win your division. Yeah, two two seed gets you probably two home games. Right. And then and then, and then you then you drop the Cardinals game after the Cowboys gave you a gift for two straight weeks, after the 49ers gave you a gift losing to the Ravens. Yeah. You drop the Cardinals game, a team that's inferior. Inferior. Mm-hmm. And now you're back to square one. You are not going to win this division. You're not going to win this division. You went from being the number one seed all season to dropping to the fifth seed. And you're not even going to win your division. That is an all-time collapse Big by time. the Philadelphia Eagles, all-time collapse by Nick Sirianni. Who do you look at when something like this happens? Yeah, it I ha- think that it has to come from the top down. You got to look at the head coach and the level of urgency that's not being displayed. The product has been like you got to look at this guy. Tone, there's absolutely no question about it. I look at Nick Sirianni. I look at a guy who was out coached by Jonathan Gannon. I know that's a tough pill for Eagles fans to swallow because everybody well, he hated was, him easily. Gannon put a clinic on against him. He he was ten steps ahead of him. He made the adjustments at halftime. He he, he the onside kick was. Was a chess move, not a checkers move. He did everything he had to do for a garbage team that going nowhere yeah. on the he, road. He, he gambled and used, and, and he he gambled and relied on his instinct. Didn't just rely on analytics. He totally. he, 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 t- he he took some gutsy shots, and they panned out. You know what yep. I mean? And and you got to respect it. You mm-hmm. know, I would respect this coach staff more if they were more gutsy and rely more instincts. Say, you know what? I got to feel like I know this guy. He's he. The, the, I know this team, they're not going to be able to drive. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I can respect a guy that says, look, I went with my instincts on that one. And, you know, I yeah. felt like I felt like I, I felt like they weren't they weren't moving the ball all day. And I decided to I decided to take the risk. And even if it doesn't pan out, I can respect it because right. your your risk was based. Your your, your risk was calculated. Basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John McGannon looked at it like this. OK, I'm going to go on sidekick here. I'm going to preserve some clock, even if they score in any way. I trust my offense to get down that field and score on their defense that hasn't been able to stop that hasn't been able to stop us all day. Right. And guess what? I'm going to go for two, and I know they won't be able to stop it. So he was so confident and took a calculated risk, and it ended up working out. Mm-hmm. So I got to respect it. This team, Nick Sirianni, you know, when, when when you that's why his job. That's why I think he's on the hot seat because. To go from being the number one seed and having and having the control over over this uh, conference for so long, and then to just drop the last four of your five games, it's not a good look, man. No, it's not. It's no. It's it's, it's, it's it, not it, a good look on the team. It's not a good look on him. Not a good look on the staff. He looks like he's he looks like he's unraveling. Well, I I think what it right. I agree with that. I mean, it does have that. It has that sinking ship you know, kind of feel to it uh, in a lot of ways. Like it feels, it doesn't feel like, you know, we're in for some grand comeback. It feels like we're just going to see more of the above. Like I I think this game, and you know, we'll get more into it tomorrow and Friday, obviously, but I I think this game is close this week. Like, I don't think they go in and steamroll the giants by any stretch. Like I feel that Christmas game that, you know, they, that got way too close for comfort, you know? And I think the giants would like nothing more than to do what the Cardinals did last week to them. And stick it to them, and, and just just continue to make 
the end of their season sour and have them limp into the postseason because that's what it's looking like right now. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, like this is your division opponent. They know they could have got you a couple weeks ago. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants won the game. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. I just, I, I, just, I, just, I just don't trust the deep. The defense is so bad. They're not even mediocre. They're they're awful. Yeah. They can't stop the Cardinals. They can't they can't they can't stop anybody. Yeah. So I I just I don't know how much stock to put into this team anymore, Rob. It's, I feel like um, you know, we had a guest on um the uh, Dan Cilio show yesterday, uh Philly five hundred. Um he covers the Philadelphia Eagles um from the fan perspective. Uh-huh. And he does great work. One of the bigger, um, one of the biggest uh, Eagles content creators on, out there right now. Okay. And he says, um, he said, I, he said, I feel like we're just on death row. We're just, you know, we're just, you know, we're just walking the green mile, and we're waiting, just waiting. waiting for your last meal. Yeah. We're waiting for our last meal. Like we already know what's going to happen. We know what's coming. This team is right. going. This, t- this team is going to be one and done. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's just, it's like, it, 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 it's like a foregone conclusion. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I feel the same way. Like I, I feel like even if even a win in the in the wild card round doesn't feel like, like any kind of reprieve. It feels the same to me. Like it feels mm-hmm. like if they go into the second round and get beat, which is most likely, especially considering where they're playing, it makes no difference. Like this to me, this whole season was about absolutely one hundred percent winning the Super Bowl. Anything short of that, even getting there. Would for my in my opinion is considered a failure. If you get bounced in the second round, absolutely, it, it does feel like that. It's, it it feels like this this week and next week are just a stay of execution, and then it's all mm-hmm. it, it's only a matter of time before you know the you know we get the uh, get, get the wet rag on a head and here we go. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> it just feels like that, and and it sucks because like you said, you go back a month. They're they're ten and one with the one seed, and we come out of December and they're eleven and five. You, you know, with the with the five seed, it's crazy. All right, let's hit it. Let's come back. Jeff Kerr is going to join us from CBS Sports. Keith Pompey is going to join us at twelve thirty. At least there's some positivity with the basketball team. Sixers just keep taking care of business, right? We have that at least. So we'll discuss that. We'll hit uh, we'll hit all these topics with Jeff. Always curious because he has a great take on these kind of things. Covers the league. Does an amazing job. We'll do all that when we get back. All right, I want to tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I've been going there since I was a kid. They're family owned since 1985. Alex and the crew are in there each and every day putting out the best product available. Um, I love the variety. They have 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. They have the you name it, they'll make it. Specialized pizza your way. But if you're not up for pizza, they have fresh pasta. They have sandwiches, they have wraps, they have wings, they have salads, all the above. You can you can follow them also at the Bravo Pizza Hub on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. Also, something else, too, to keep in mind with Bravo Pizza of Havertown. They are committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues where the proceeds go to those organizations. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike, Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610 610- 446-3810-610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, 
we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. That is Tone to Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are... Sports State joining us right now. Uh, love his insights uh, and his stories on CBS Sports. He also does a great job uh, from a social media perspective, drop, dropping really good, knowledgeable nuggets for you to take in uh, on a lot of different ways. But he is the one and only Jeff Carr. Jeff, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, thanks, Rob. By the way, I think it's what forty-three days till pitchers and catchers report. 
Yes, but who's counting? Actually, I think it's – yeah, you're right, Jeff. I think that's right. <laughs> nice. Good. I, I, I'm one of those people, Rob. I don't miss a day of baseball season, so I, I had to point that out. I love it. Jeff Thank is you. always Thank the numbers you. guy. Jeff is the numbers yes. guy, man. He, he and, has every and, number down back, man. Sixers are off to a uh, you know a, a, a 23 and 10 start. So there you go. We're looking for positives here. Um, Jeff, I'll ask you a simple question. How did we get here? How did we get here with this Eagles team? Man. You know what, Rob? It was brewing, um, even when they were 10 and 1. And I keep saying this when these guys claim they don't hear the outside noise. They do. They're not any good. They're not as good as the 49ers. They're not as good as the Cowboys. Yeah, they're 10 and 1, but their point differential is this. It, it does add on. Like, oh, they're escaping with wins. They're not better than this team. They're not better than this team. When I, I'm the guy who said, well, wait a minute, they're 5 and 1 against teams. You know, against winning records, doesn't that mean something? It, it matters about winning, but then it started, okay, we're not winning by this much. What's wrong here? And then they get blown out by the 49ers, and they just let them kick them in the teeth. Like I, Me, personally, like, again, I never was an NFL player, never will be. I'd love to talk to like guys like Barrett Brooks, Brian Baldinger about this, but when you have a team that talks as much trash as the 49ers do, and you beat them badly last year, wouldn't you want to go do that again? It, yeah. it, it, oh, yeah. just, it just seemed like they had no interest in doing that. Then they let Dallas just walk all over them. And they, look, I get it. Dallas had 10 days off. San Francisco had 10 days off. But they just kind of let that boil over. And then the Seattle thing happened. And you're like, okay, now things are starting to come out. Like, mm-hmm. you know, guys on offense are pissed off. Uh, guys on the defense are wondering why can't they get this thing fixed. You know, they you know, all, all year a lot of players complained about Sean Desai. Well, okay, Sean Desai's gone. Mm-hmm. Now you got Matt Patricia. So – now what? And now Matt Patricia's throwing everybody everywhere. Hassan Reddick's back in coverage. We all learned like that that doesn't work. So then you barely beat the Giants. Should have crushed the Giants. And and again, I actually thought they played well that game. But I go in the locker room. I know it's Christmas time, Rob. It felt like a funeral. Mm. Like, what's the matter with you guys? You just won a game for the first time in five weeks. Like, shouldn't you be happy about that? Nope. They're upset. Guys didn't want to talk. You're like, okay. And then the guys that did talk, they, they said stuff you probably don't want to hear. Mm. If you're covering the team, if you're on the team, you, you don't want to hear that stuff. So then he loses the Cardinals, and and everything just went haywire. And now, now we're where we are. This feels like the 96 Eagles, Rob. I know you know about them. I remember it very well, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was the, the end of Cotite. Yeah, I, let, let, me, let me real quick tone. Let me just follow up with something Jeff said. There are a lot of people that feel like the Niners game broke them for lack of a better term. Do you buy that? Or you just, like you said, this was coming for so long, it was going to happen eventually, but it feels like that was like, if, you, if you're looking for almost like you knew the Phillies run was over from seven to 11 when Howard tours Achilles, like, was this the game that was just like that season's over? I think this was the game that you couldn't hide the problems anymore. We knew right. they were, we knew they were bad. In the secondary, you knew it was the personnel. You knew they didn't have the linebackers. You knew James Bradbury was struggling. You knew Kevin Byer wasn't exactly what you traded for. And it all showed against an elite football team, a a team that will probably represent the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. And then it's like, okay, well, we're not as good as them. But I I still was like, okay, you can still control your own destiny. Like, and I said for weeks, as long as you take care of business in your last four games. I don't care if you win or lose to Dallas. It doesn't mean anything. Well, they didn't take care of business their last four games. They're, they're one and two in their last three. So 
now everything's just spiraling out of control. And look, like you said, Rob, they may win a playoff game. I, I, I will say this. I think this team can really win this fan base back if they win a playoff game, if they go to Dallas and beat them. When Dallas is clearly better than them, you go in there and beat the Cowboys at home and prevent them from going to an NFC Championship game again, I think that makes up for a lot of pain for this season. And I don't think it matters if they go to the Super Bowl or not. Now, of course, everybody will be talking about the Super Bowl because they'd be in the NFC Championship game. But do you imagine they went down there and just kind of ended Mike McCarthy, kept the narrative going on Dak and – you know, the Eagles fans could go on social media and really just trash that fan base. That fan base could say whatever they want. It right. wouldn't matter. Like, you beat them in the playoffs when they were clearly better than you. Well, yeah, it's funny you say that, Jeff. E- Eagles fans, we, you know, we are built that way. You know what I mean? Uh, you knock out the Cowboys in the playoffs. Whatever happens after that is cherry on, is, is a cherry on top. Um, if you ask me, just based off everything that I've seen, read, watched on Sundays and Mondays, however you want to slice it, I, I, I honestly see a team that just lost faith in what they're being taught. They lost faith in the game plan. They lost faith in his coaching staff. I'm curious to know, you know, you're in the locker room. You talk to these players. Um, obviously, you can't say everything you hear, but as far as the the vibe around Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff, what feeling do you get from these players um, when it comes to their leadership group, like the coaching staff in the front office, what feeling do you get from the players about how they feel about those guys? This is what I always say to myself as someone who does coach. And when times are tough, and right now I'm coaching a team where times are tough, you've got to keep the message clear. I don't think Nick Sirianni is getting that message across. Not like he's got to change up, but stick together. I don't like that. If I'm a player, I'm rolling my eyes. I, I think Nick Sirianni should honestly be a man with these guys and just go, what do you want out of me? What what do you guys want? What do you want out of a coaching staff? Quickly, Jeff, tell me why that doesn't work. Tell me why sticking together doesn't work. Tell me again, because you coach. Tell me why that why that why you wore your eyes when you hear that. If you lose four or five, do you really want to hear that? Like, oh, we gotta stick together and everything will be all right. Well, no, everything clearly isn't all right because you keep losing. And now you're losing the bad team. So, you know. And they know all their problems. They're escalating. The turnovers. Like, you think Jalen Hurts doesn't know how many interceptions he throws? You think he probably thought when he threw his Hail Mary in there, oh, there's another game. I got a turnover. It's, I know it doesn't mean anything, but it's still in the stat sheet. It's, you know, A.J. Brown, he knows he got one target in the second half. He knows that. Uh, he knows he's not getting the ball deep. And I certainly am not helping him when I'm putting out on social media. Oh, by the way, he's only been targeted deep eight times in the last eight games. So, I mean, these guys see it. it they do. And it, it just boils up. So Nick's got to come to these guys. He's got to be a leader, too. And ain't just Jalen. It ain't A.J. Brown. You got to go to these players and say, look, what is the problem? Seriously, what is the problem? How can we fix this as a coaching staff? Do, yeah, do you I think, think he's on the verge of losing his locker room? Or has he lost it already? I think he's on the verge. I don't think he's lost it yet because you got guys like, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher. By the way, I, I told people this. I think the D-line has been the most together unit. Like, they seem to have everything under control, even though – like, they're frustrated they're not getting sacks. They're frustrated about that stuff. Like, they're tired and stuff. But I don't see, like, you know, Jordan Davis, like, quitting on things, like, or anything like that, or Jalen Carter giving up on stuff. Like, they're looking toward 
Brandon Graham. They're looking toward Fletcher Cox for that. And I think they're getting it. But the rest of the units, it's like, what's going on here? Like, I always thought the running back room was kind of weird from the beginning of the season. And I know they all get along, like Swift and Gainwell and stuff, but it just feels like, I don't know, it's just a different team from what I've seen or other locker rooms I've covered. Well, I, I want to get back to the D-line in a minute, Jeff. But in your estimation, considering he will have been to three playoffs and a Super Bowl in his three years here, should Nick be on the hot seat? Or in your estimation, is that crazy talk? I think he should be looking over his shoulder. And we've seen Jeffrey Lurie pretty much get rid of people for no – he fired Andy Reid, guys. Like, call call what you want. They were 4-12. and 12. He fired Andy Reid after two – uh, non-winning seasons. He did. And Andy Reid's a top-five coach in this league, ever. So he got rid of Chip Kelly just like that. He gave Chip the power and just said, okay, you're out. He fired a Super Bowl-winning coach at Doug Peterson for one bad year. Yeah, he can fire Nick Sariani if he feels like this is going against the wall. And I always joke about this. Like, you know, wherever your place of work is, do you ever have that feeling like you know someone well, but you have no idea what they do? You think the mm-hmm. Eagles think like that with Nick Sirianni? That's interesting. That's, that's interesting food that. for thought. Yeah, <laughs> well, my I, whole thing is, Jeff, like if you're not the emotional connector, clearly th- there's disconnects all over the place, right? If you're not that guy and you're not calling the plays, you're not Sean McVay, right? You better be damn good at the connection thing or yeah, else and, what's the use? And Jeff, and just to bounce off what Rob said, you know, you know, I watch a lot of these press conferences with these players, not just the Eagles, but I just watch the players across the league. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're around these guys a lot. You know, these players, they could care less about a guy being buddy-buddy or rah-rah. The only thing they care about is, can you make me better? Can you help me maximize my earned potential? Can you put me in positions to win? I mean, is that – am I off in that theory? Because, yes, like, like, like Rob said, if the – emotional connection part is starting to fleet with this team between Nick Sirianni and the roster. What else does he have left to stand on? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point, Tone. So I I also think part of the emotional connection happened too when Nick Sirianni decided to rub salt in the wounds of Kansas City Chiefs fans, which had no impact Mm. on the football game whatsoever. Like as much as fans want to admit it, they don't. Um, Kansas City Chiefs fans had nothing to do with the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Kansas City Chiefs in that Monday night game. And Nick Sirianni rubbing it in to them, I don't care how it looks. It's just, but if you're a player, you're like, you know, we're going to be feeling the heat from this. From, you know, other fan bases, on social media, everywhere. And they're the ones who got to receive that blunt. Nick Nick Sirianni can say, hey, you know, I'll put it on me. That's great, but... You're also not the one, you know, say you're on. You're not the one who's got to pay the bills when you go out. Exactly. You're AJ Brown. You push that that mentions button on Twitter, X, whatever it's called now. And you see what people are saying about you. People who know nothing, that bothers you. Because I get it now, and it bothers me. You guys get it. It bothers you. I, I can't imagine what an NFL player goes through. Yeah, that's interesting. All right, let's look at. Let's look at the. I want to get to the offense in a minute, but let's look at the defensive side. <laughs> they go with the side, but they also have the weird move of having Patricia there, sort of just in case, right? Which to me is like setting Desai up for failure to begin with. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not defending Desai. I don't think he did a good job, particularly. But it's been worse with Patricia. 
Jeff, it has. I mean, they're giving up more points per game. The second halves are disasters. Your edge rushers haven't gotten have zero sacks in the last three games. It's looked markedly worse than it did under Desai. What is happening on that side of the ball? They just don't have the personnel. I mean, let's let's just call a spade a spade. Um, they don't have any linebackers, and they really don't have any linebackers when Zach Cunningham's hurt. Or you know, it, remember they they just decided to let Christian Ellis go. I still can't figure that out. Um, you know, I, I, I feel bad for guys like Ben Van Sumer because the guy's going to be a good player. Like, he had a great heads-up play on the onside kick the other day. And that's what that's his role right now. He's a special teams guy. I, I think long-term, he could be a good player. But in 2023, 2024, no. He, they just don't have it. And look look at the secondary. Uh, Kevin Byard is not the same player. Uh, Reed Blankenship, I think he's solid, but I think – Maybe he was overvalued a bit. Uh, you know, Slay and Bradbury got a year older. Slay's still having a good year, by the way. They really do miss Slay. Uh, they, they, do. They, they miss him terribly. Uh, James Bradbury is better off in the slot at this point. He's just terrible on, on the boundary. Uh, Kaylee Ringo and Eli Ricks are nice, but you weren't depending on them to play significant roles this year. And give them credit, they play well, but yep. there's just no talent. It, it's Or there, I should say there's talent, but the personnel just – is it good? I mean, you could put Bill Belichick back there to coach that defense. It'll be a little better, but you need the talent, and they just let go too much of it. Well, Jeff, has this defense, you know, that begs the question, has this defense just become a bunch of names rather than, you know, a bunch of guys that actually produce? Feels like the 2011 defense does it when you had names. And you had guys that put up stats, Jason Babin, Colin Jenkins, you know, like guys that were good on other teams, and, you know, they were good here, but it wasn't working. You know, so that's what it feels like, honestly. Not not the Osawa, Dominique Rogers Camardi. Like it, it feels like that. Like there are names on yeah. this team, but they're not producing. So what do you do? You know, it's I mean, really I I still like in hindsight, I love Slay here, but you have to wonder if this front office pivoted or panicked when Slay said, Release me, get rid of me. Because mm. they weren't you know, you got to think about that for a second. And, you know, when C.J. Garner-Johnson, when I was told he was one of their top priorities and, you know, they he didn't take the offer, so they, you know, they kind of did the big F you to him, you know, and he got a one-year deal for significantly less somewhere else. It's That, that was their guy. I, I think they were planning on Slay and C.J. Garner-Johnson, and they were going to yeah. fill the, the other cornerback up, you know, maybe early in the draft or something like that, but – that's what I was told anyway, at least with CJ. So I think that screwed everything up. I know the TJ Edwards thing, it was go see your offer in free agency. We'll get back to you. Well, I, I think he got an offer he couldn't refuse from his hometown team and took it. So, you know, the Eagles kind of fooled around on that one. So they, so they missed there. I thought they at least bring one of the two linebackers back. They didn't, which, again, was a concern. Um, Jalen Carr, you don't pass up, you know, in the draft. That, that, that's clear as day. So that was a good pick, but – in hindsight, doesn't the Jordan Davis Kyle yeah. Hamilton thing look like the missed? Yeah, you know it's, it's funny. <laughs> Are you kidding? It looks like a, it looks like a big swing and a miss. I, I, yeah, I said that day, like I don't care if you need a safety or not. You draft Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and he, it's he's so turned into one of the best. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know he's what a I monster. say every. You know uh, what I say every year, Rob, as someone who covers the Ravens, you know, not not as much as I used to, but frequently. The NFL just lets good teams, good players fall to the Ravens. They do. Every single year. 
there's a reason why the Ravens win as much as they do. Lamar, Kyle Hamilton, uh, you know, Adolfo Owe, you know, you know, guys like that. Um, what's here? Uh, Tyra Linderbaum, the center. Uh, you know, right, they, right. They just let these players go. J.K. Dobbins was another one. He's not even playing. It's mm-hmm. they, they, every single year they just let these. Zay Flowers is another one. They just let these players fall to Baltimore, and you wonder why Baltimore drafts so well. Yeah. Well, well, here, here's the thing, Jeff. You know, it's funny. The Philadelphia Eagles, they, they struggle at, at certain positions. They struggle to draft linebackers. They struggle to draft safeties, corners. They struggle to make those investments matter. And when you let a guy, for example, TJ Edwards walk, a guy that maybe you didn't draft him, but you found him as an undrafted free agent on draft day or a day after draft day, what's the difference? What's the, what's the real difference between a guy you drafted on day three versus a guy you signed on day four as an undrafted free agent, right? I mean, what's the real difference? And, you know, they've struggled to find and develop linebackers in particular. And you find one and you let them walk. So, 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 so come on, what, what are we doing here? Like, and so it begs the question, why, why go off the deep end for N'Kobe Dean as fans have been doing? And you know, they're not going to invest in them beyond the rookie contract. So, yeah, so. And, and- I'm a jerk when it comes to this tone. I agree with you. So I'd be looking like, okay, man, I discovered TJ Edwards. I'm going to pay him. But, you know, I discovered That's Jordan just... Hicks. I'm going to pay him. By the way, Jordan Hicks is still good. Uh, you let him still walk. Good. Yeah, it's funny how the one time they won a Super Bowl, they had two decent linebackers. Yep. Funny how that works. And a, um, and a reliable running back. Yeah, so it, will they ever change their philosophy, Jeff, is the question. You devalue certain positions to the point where it's ridiculous. I get you're not going to pay a linebacker what you're paying an edge rusher. I get it. Or even a D-tackle. But the, but the fact that they they went into the season banking completely on N'Kobe Dean and a bunch of dudes, and now you're saying, like, will this wake them up to this kind of stuff? I always joke that they read page nine of the media guy way too much. Fifth most wins since 2000, and – Fourth best winning percentage since 2000 or whatever. Or, but, you know, second most playoff. Well, I forget the exact set, but they read into that and they're like, oh, man, we, you know, we, we succeed. We succeed very well without linebackers, without safeties, uh, you know, paying running backs for only one year, which, by the way, is probably a smart move in, in hindsight. Yeah, I, the running back part I have no issue with, but yeah. Also, since, you know, I've been on a, I, everybody thinks I hate DeAndre Smith, but I actually don't. Um, I, I'm just realistic when it comes to guys like him. Yeah, he's not going to be back after this year because they, he, they set the won't. they set the precedent. It, unless he signs a one year deal. By the way, the guy you let go wanted the one year deal, and they said no. And it turns out they were right. But how much better would this team look with him and DeAndre Swift? Think about that. Uh, yeah. it's a great point. Yeah, it, it it is. It's a great point. Um, I. You know, Jeff, how much of let's just dig in a little bit more. The people they elected to let walk, the people that they brought in here, just sort of gen, and this a lot more of this falls on the defensive side. I get it. But how much should Howie wear this, man? Because this has been a, a, a swift fall here, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Well, Howie, yeah, but Howie deserves the benefit of the doubt because he can fix. Here's Howie Roseman's problem he can't sustain the success he builds. Like mm. it, it, it's always ebbs and flows, right? It goes really high, and yep. then it's like okay, and then it goes down, and then it goes really high again. Like mm-hmm. it's like the stock market. <laughs> it's, why do you I, think that is with him, though, Kurt? Like, like, like why, why do you think uh, he struggles to sustain success? What is that? I think he gets married to certain players, certain philosophies, certain tendencies. Like, you know, like the whole linebacker thing. Oh, yeah, 
we don't need Jordan Hicks, Michael Kendricks. We'll go in, you know, with who was the I don't even remember who their linebackers were in 2018 anymore. That's a, a, see, that's how bad they were. You know, yeah. it's a, it's that type of thing. So again, like TJ Edwards, like remember, like when TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton were back there, Alex Singleton actually became a pretty good player. Yeah, too. tackling machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah they like in Denver, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they they could they could have used a tackling machine like Alex Singleton for all his faults right now. Um, but again, it's. You know, it's their philosophy. They just don't care about the running back position. They don't care about linebackers. Uh, they care about building up front on the offensive and defensive line, which, by the way, hasn't been as good as in years past. So that's an issue. And I, I honestly think that might be the reason why this team has fallen like it is, because the one thing they could always rely on was their offensive line just being swiftly dominant, no pun intended, and their defensive line just getting to the quarterback and getting sacks and, they're not doing either. And now everything else is getting exposed and Jalen Hurts is trying to do too much and the secondary is trying to do too much and the back seven is trying to do too much. It, it, it's just they need to get their offensive and defensive line back together. That's what they need. They need them to be the, the best cohesive unit in football. All right, let's go there with the D-line. Um, the one thing they did do well throughout the first 10 weeks was stop the run. They were the best team in football, 66 yards per game on the ground. Since then, Jeff, uh, they are 30th. They went from allowing 66 to a buck 50 on the ground. How do you explain that? Injuries, um, personnel, guys get tired. I mean, look, during that same stretch, Jalen Carter has seven pressures. Jordan Davis has five pressures. It's they're, they're not as efficient as they were early in the year. Fletcher Cox is actually still on the same pace, but he's also in his 30s. Um, you know, Milton Williams hasn't been playing as much. Uh, they're not getting any anything from their edge rushers right now at all. You know, we knew Hassan Reddick wasn't a great run stopper, but he's not getting to the quarterback as frequent. Josh Wetch kind of hit a wall. Um, they don't have any depth behind him outside Brandon Graham. And again, he's 35. And look at the linebacker situation. It's it's just they're all turnstiles right now. You know, maybe the Kobe Dean getting hurt was a problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely affected the depth for sure. Um, Jeff, before we get you out of here, I, I definitely want to pick your brain about Jalen Hurts a little bit. Um, you know, when you look at his stats at face value, you say, okay, he's um, career year in touchdowns, um, career year, he's going to have a career year in passing yards, um, career year as far as attempts. You know, he's throwing the ball more. Um, he's completing the same he, – he, he has the same completion percentage as last year, around 66%. But then you get to the turnovers, and that's the blemish on his production. I'm curious to know how much blame do we place on Jalen Hurts and how much blame do we place on this offensive coaching staff for Jalen Hurts' um, pseudo-regression? I, I think early in the year, Jalen Hurts is making throws Jalen Hurts doesn't make. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was trying to overcompensate for something. I mean, I'll, there are a lot of turnovers that are on Jalen. I mean, but that was what made him elite last year. It wasn't the passing yards, the total touchdowns, any of that. It's the fact he wasn't turning the ball over. Everybody called him like the anti-Josh Allen. Now him and Josh Allen are pretty much the same player. They, mm -hmm. they, you know, they're exciting. They're fun to watch. They put up the numbers. They win games, but they also turn the ball over a lot. And you just learn to live with it. I, I think as this city has to learn to live with Jalen Hurts' turnovers, they're going to happen. It, it doesn't seem like it, he's going to have a year like 2022 again. But I don't think he's going to have a year like this one again either, where he throws 14 interceptions or whatever he's got. 
I, I think it's going to be in the middle. And But I do think it's – early in the year, I think he was trying to force-feed the ball a little too much, and then he started thinking about his turnovers a bit. But then he started fumbling a lot. And then, you know, everything just kind of snowballs. And I, I just think he's trying to do too much. I don't think they get the ball across the middle to their two playmakers too much. Like, again, like, we, we have different – um, areas of concern or complaints about this team. Remember when it was, oh, you're giving the ball to Brown, Smith, and Goddard too much. Why don't we give the ball to Quez Watkins? I don't know why. Why don't we give the ball to Julio Jones? Why don't we give the ball to Grant Calcaterra? Again, don't know why. But why don't we spread the ball more? And now it's why don't the big guys don't get the ball? You know, you have to pick. It, I, I seriously do think this coaching staff listens to, to way too many people. Well, let's stay on that. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna call Matt Patricia the DC, even though Desai is still he's, the DC. He's the DC. Okay. So, do we have two new coordinators next year? In your estimation, if Nick survives, do we have two new coordinators? In your estimation, is Brian Johnson also going to be out? I think we have one. Uh, I definitely think they're going to overhaul the defense. I okay. Mean, it, it's a given. I mean, everything since week eight is thirty of thirty of thirty of thirty first, thirty first, thirty second. Yep. Like, you're going to change everything up. So, I, I definitely expect that there's changes on the defensive side of the ball. How much are you going to piss off Jalen Hurts if you got to have that heart-to-heart with him about Brian Johnson? Can you worry about that, man? Can you worry about I, I wouldn't. I, mean, like, I, I would like Brian actually, Johnson's not the guy? I, I'd actually sit in that room and tell him like a man, hey, guess what? This guy ain't helping you right now. You know, I don't know. What do you yeah. want me to do? This guy ain't helping you. This guy ain't Shane Steichen. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You tell me. You know, it's we have the tape. We have the evidence here. This is the yeah. direction we're thinking of going. We yeah, just you're want right. you to notice. And then think about what Carson Wentz, when John Filippo left the building and Frank Reich, there was a certain level of accountability that left with Carson Wentz, right? I mean, John Filippo was a hard ass on him. Frank Reich, same thing. He was. So, I mean – yeah, Jalen, Brian Johnson may be comfort food, but is it good for you? You know what I mean? It, 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 it's starting to look like empty calories. Yeah, yeah. it's – I always said – and, Rob, I, I'm sure you're aware of this too in the media. I, I do like when people say good things about you, but I rather hear the negative stuff sometimes, like the, constru- the constructive criticism. How mm-hmm. much is Brian Johnson giving that to him? I'll give you an example, Jeff, just speaking of that. So – when for years in doing sports talk radio, one of the things that, and you should do this on TV too. And I don't know that enough people do it, but we would air check. So we would sit down and we, I would with my boss and we would listen to, to the show and he'd say, all right, this, this worked. What, what are you trying to get at here? It felt like it was a little too meandering. You didn't get to the point quick enough or, you know, whatever. And, and it's hard to listen to your and have somebody critique what you're doing, right? It's very hard. You get defensive. You, I did. I, I had my reasoning, whatever. But at the end, as hard as it is, it gets you better, right? It gets you better. Yeah. And it gives you, you know, hey, follow the camera over here. Do this, do that. If it's TV, whatever. Or you weren't prepared enough for this segment. Um, and it's a hard thing to do, but it's, a, it's something that's necessary. And I think that you're right. I think if you have reached the point as an organization, you feel like Brian Johnson's not the answer. It's, it's very simple. It's the day after the season ends, you bring Jalen and say, look, we're making it. We're making a change. We want to be up front with you. This is the reason why we're doing it. We understand your relationship. That can't like that can't be a determining factor for me that they're buds. I'm sorry. It can't. 
you, this is the professional level. Now you got to make a change. If you feel like he's not the guy. And if Jalen's the guy I know he is, and I think he is, I don't think Jalen's ultimately going to care. I think Jalen cares about winning football games. And if that yeah. helps Jalen Hurts win football games, I think he's on board with it. Like it, it just seems to me how he's built, you know, it's the whole built by Bama thing, right? Uh, you know, yeah. that's, that's yeah. pretty much it. I mean, Nick Saban has got rid of I mean, you don't think Saban did those kind of things? He's always done right. Them. Saban did those kind of things. Yeah. All the time. yeah. And, and, and uh, by the way, I, this is where I do defend Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts. Remember, Shane Steichen has been the only, the only coordinator Jalen Hurts has had, the only coordinator and play caller Jalen Hurts has had for two years in a row since his junior year of high school. Think about yep. that. Yeah, it's a big and, deal. And Jeff, if I, if I can sneak one last thing in on you, um, I want, I want to know your thoughts on this notion. You have a Super Bowl caliber team, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, you know, top to bottom. You were just in the Super Bowl. You lost by three points. You're ready. You're, you're ready for a, a, a return to the promised land. You know, to leave with the big trophy, and you go out and you hire two guys that don't really have the experience on this level, right? What's your what, What's your thought process in terms of experience with? Hiring experience when you have a Super Bowl roster versus hiring um, young guys when you have a Super Bowl roster. I mean, do you think the Philadelphia Eagles made a mistake and overvalued Brian Johnson and Sean Desai and didn't really take too much, didn't take care of their Super Bowl roster enough in terms of the coaching staff? You know, there's one guy I would love to talk to in NFL circles. Like, I, I, I don't know if his health's good or not, or I wish he was better on TV, but that was George Seifert. Because he lost both his coordinators. He lost Ray Rhodes to the Eagles, and he lost Mike Shanahan to Denver. And the 40, the 95 49ers were a Super Bowl team. But they were 12-4, and four, and everything just seemed off on the offensive, defensive side of the ball, and they got bounced in the playoffs for it. So that would be someone that – and I think he went with – trying to remember. He go with Mariucci, Rob. Do you remember who he went with? Mariucci, where he, he, he left and went to Detroit. No, no, I mean, do you remember – like, was Mariucci the offensive coordinator when – he got promoted. I, I'm trying to remember. Like he was on the coaching staff. I think he was Seifert's uh, OC. Yeah, Shanahan was already gone. Yeah, and I think Mariucci replaced him. I think uh, you're I'm, right. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to remember who was the defensive coach at the time. But uh, anyway, um, but yeah, they went with relatively inexperienced guys, you know, at, to replace those guys, yeah. and it, they won games, but it didn't work. It's. I think the Eagles thought Sean Desai's experience as defensive coordinator was going to help. Mm-hmm. And instead of going with two young guys in Denard Wilson and Brian Johnson, I think they said, whoa, 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 I, I don't know we can do this, even though the players like Denard Wilson. So, But you're seeing what Denard Wilson has done in Baltimore. And Remember, they interviewed uh, Michigan's defense coordinator, uh, Jesse Minner, or something. Yeah, who's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's the guy. Like, everybody wants Mike McDonald's scheme or what Mike McDonald's doing. Um, you know, and Mike McDonald has the players, too. But Mike McDonald's a really good young defensive mind. So, you know, maybe that's it. Um, but I think they should have hired a veteran on the offensive side of the ball. If you want to be quite out. No disrespect to Brian Johnson, but mm. I, I said Nick hit it out of the park for Shane Steichen because you know I got the receipts from Justin Herbert to tell me so. So, um, so I, I thought they should have went with a veteran on that side and maybe tried to sigh on the and, and then it's like okay, it doesn't work. We'll, we'll move on there. But I, I, I just think the the veteran guy they went the wrong way. Yeah. All right, Jeff, uh, and you, and let everybody know you can follow Jeff at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter slash X. And of course, check out his work, his great work at CBS Sports.com. What do we have coming out next? What can the people be on the alert for from you, Jeff? Well, for nationally, um, 
I'm actually doing all the records that can be broken for week 18, like Puka Nakua is about to set like the, yeah. the, the receiving yards record. Uh, CJ Stroud needs actually 529 passing yards to break Andrew Luck's rookie record, which hmm. yeah, it can happen. That'd, that'd be a hell of a day if he did. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, he, he might need to do that to beat yeah. the Colts. So, yeah. <laughs> he could have easily broke it if he didn't miss a game, though. If he yeah, didn't miss yeah, a game, he missed he two games. Game. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, he actually has the rookie passing yards per game record, so he's got that. Okay, okay, cool. But yeah, there's a couple other ones like AJ Brown's close to beating his rookie record. Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen are actually tied for the most rushing touchdowns in the season, so Hmm. by a quarterback. So that that's up. So yeah, that that's for CBS. Uh, CBS Philly, I'll do my five, um, you know, concerns questions for. That'll be on cbsphilly.com and you know, right. obviously the Hill and Sunday kickoff this week. If I can get to the stadium, we'll 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 see. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Listen, man. Oh, yeah, we're just at some some weather uh coming up this weekend. So that and a thing called snow. We're not that familiar with it. Yeah, anymore. yeah. D- d- don't play your starters, Nick. If it snows, don't play them. Oh my god, man. Can you imagine that turf with, with snow on top of it? Also? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's you know what? I, I'd be like to Marcus Mariota, Tara McKee. Go ahead, boys. Get ready. Get ready, fellas. Uh, All right, Jeff, listen, man, appreciate a couple minutes as always. Thank you for your time. Yep, sounds great. Thank you, Jeff. All right, you got it. That is Jeff Carr. Let's get a quickie in tone. And when we come back, we'll continue the Eagles discussion. And we're going to look at good, bad, and quiet. Guys Mm. who have been good this year, guys who have been bad this year, and guys who have certainly been quiet of late. So we'll dive into that. 1230. Keith Pompey will join us. We'll talk some Sixers with Keith. We'll do our usual NFL stuff coming up at uh, at 1 o'clock. We've got a lot in store for you, so don't go anywhere. He is Tony Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, let's talk about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances is imperative, right? But it can also be scary. you got to find that right person, and I did, and I want you to as well. Um Jim is somebody, and absolutely, Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group are, are, are someone that I absolutely trust my finances with, whether it's retirement planning for you, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you need help with your employee benefits. That's an re- another resource that Jim can help you with. I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610 610- Nine nine six forty seven fifty one. You can also email him as well. Murray M U R R A Y dot Jim at principal dot com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal dot com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. They're carving up a, a good play calling along the way. First and goal at the six. On the field of life. 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right. We are back. Yes, we are. We we're going to go uh, acapella there uh, for a minute on you. That's Tone. I'm Rob. Technology, man. All you, all you can do is hit the button, and all of a sudden, uh, it, it starts when it wants to start. <laughs> at the mercy. At the mercy of it. That's for sure. Definitely, man. Everything good Definitely. at the crib? You still got your workers there? What's going on? Oh, oh, oh no. Listen, so uh, the, the worker just left about maybe five minutes ago, five or ten minutes ago. Um, did great work. Uh, see what I like to do is whenever I have people work, working working in the house, I like to chat them up a little bit, and um, you know, soften them up, and then eventually you go in and say, "Hey, you think you can check this out for me?" And then uh, you know, so basically, get a little two um, for one. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Get, get a little two for one action. And uh-huh. uh, man, um, they replaced my um my my kitchen sink spout, you know, the handles and all that kind of stuff. You yeah, know, the, the disposal the and all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, because I, I, because I, I, at first I'm like, well, why does my water like smell like that? So then they, you know, they, you know, they flushed the hot water tank and everything, got the calcium out, all that kind of stuff. There you go. And um, you know, I said, hey, by the way, my water pressure in this kitchen sink is kind of low. What, 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 what's your thoughts on that? He said, oh, what is I gonna do? For you? you know, I can, um, I can actually run out real quick and replace the whole, the whole apparatus and all that kind of stuff. I said, I said, really? You sure? He said, yeah, it's no problem. You know, I got I'm talking him mm-hmm. up, chatting him up, and everything. And uh, soften them up, and there we go, man. So Give I'm super drink, excited. Something to eat. Got, yeah, got to give something to drink. Good. You know what I mean? Um, I'm, I shouldn't be Smart, this excited man. about a new. I shouldn't be this excited about a new kitchen faucet. <laughs> this is how I know I'm getting old. Like I'm you're excited old. about these simple things. Like it's you're old and, and domesticated. You're getting domesticated. Yes, man. That's yes. That's is. probably what it is. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm domesticated as hell, man. Um. I, I, I get excited uh-huh. when things just work the way they're supposed to. Like that's that's how you know, man. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, all right, um, oh, all right. Back to the birds here, Tone. 
So, you know, obviously when you have an 11 and five season, most teams would, would kill for that, right? Potentially 12 and five season. If they mm-hmm. get the one, most teams would kill for it, but the way it's gone and the way it, you know, when you start at 10 and one and you potentially end up either 12 and five or 11 and six, you know, things have changed the way you, the way you view this thing. So let's look at the good, the bad, and the quiet. All right. So let's start with the positive here. Cause we, you know, it's, it's been tough to glean positivity from what's happening with this team lately, but there are some positives. All right. So I'll start with Fletcher Cox. I think he's had an awesome year. I didn't think there was any way he'd be back next year before the season started. Some people thought they overpaid for him. Um, I think he's been really good. He's really good against the run. He's been good against the pass as well to the point where, you know, I know they're going to try and get a little bit younger next year, but I would not mind seeing him come back even a little bit, but he's had a really good year for them. Same. I would not mind having Fletcher Cox back in this building. Not one bit. Not without one bit. You know, Fletcher Cox is a guy who's produced. He's been consistent. Um, what more can you ask for from a guy, really? At this point, look, like, what is he, 32, 33? I mean, the dude is still yeah. a force. Um, mm-hmm. He's pretty much giving you similar production as he did last year at the age. He's, he's leading Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis in snap counts, which which is a an indictment on the – I mean, Jalen Carter, he's a new guy, okay. But Jordan mm-hmm. Davis, it's an indictment. You know, the, the, these young guys can't keep up with the old mm-hmm. guy. I don't know. You know, what's your thoughts on that notion? I well, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think that he is um, – yeah, the, the, it, it's sort of an indictment of both of those guys that he has to – I think Jordan Davidson it is on Fletcher Cox, but – or on uh, Jordan Davidson it is on Jalen Carter. He shouldn't be mm-hmm. playing this many minutes. And to be as productive as he is, I think is really impressive. Uh, it says a lot about the kind of condition that he's still in. And he's still got – He's still got some gas in the tank, man. So he's been really good. Um, yeah, the other one I say is DeAndre Swift. It, it, it's it's been sort of lost in some of the things that have gone on. But damn, man, he's over a thousand yards rushing. When he's gotten the opportunity to catch the ball, he's done a nice job. I don't think they've gotten him the amount of touches that he should have gotten. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know Jeff said a little bit earlier that he's definitely gone because he's probably outpriced himself uh, for them with the kind of good year that he's had. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that he isn't back. See, I feel I feel pretty sure that he's not back because of the premium the Philadelphia Eagles have placed on a position. I don't trust them to bring him back. It's, it, see, and that's the thing, right? I understand where Jeff is coming from. Whenever you had this conversation, people think it's an indictment on the player. And it's like, no. Actually, it has nothing to do with the player. The player can play as well or as poorly as he wants. The Eagles don't value the position. So if he has yeah. a great year, especially with Swift being in the contract year, he, he's a running back. He knows the lay of the land. He he want to get paid. Yep. He's from Philly, but he 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 loved. It. He grew up loving his team. But listen, his financial stability, his security is way means way more than that. So especially at that position, man, you you have to when you, you have, have an opportunity. Hard. Yeah, and he's becoming a free agent for the first time in his career. He's going to have to get as much as he can get because you exactly. don't even know that there's a next contract coming. Tone. There may not be a third one with running backs. That's no guarantee at all. Exactly. So looking at it from that perspective, how can I just assume that, oh, he's going to come back and take a team friendly discount? What are you talking right. about? You know yeah. what I mean? Would you do, would you take a company friendly discount at your own job? You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's be frank about it. So, uh, Neon J. Swift, I don't think he'll be back unless the Philadelphia Eagles offer him at minimum 
a three-year deal worth, I don't know, somewhere around 10, 10, and 10, 10 million a year. You know, let's because I think Christian, let's really look at the running back contracts real quick before we. Nobody's ever going to get the McCaffrey contract again. No, the, the McCaffrey contract is a, the McCaffrey contract is, a, is an anomaly in and of itself. All right. So as far as running backs go, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCaffrey obviously makes the most. He makes 16 a year on average. I'm with Camara second at 15 a year on average. Jonathan Taylor, 14 a year on average. Derrick Henry, 12.5 million. Nick Chubb, 12.2. Aaron Jones, 12 million. Josh Jacobs, 11.7. Tony Pollard, 10 point. Uh, uh, Tony Pollard, and, 10 million. A couple of those guys are franchise tags. Right. Tony Pollard, franchise tag. Uh, I think Jacobs, I think he signed a one year. Yeah, thing. they gave him like a little tiny extra bump off of it. Yeah, a little bump. Um, Dalvin, That's what they did with Saquon. That's what they did with Saquon. Exactly. And Saquon still is getting paid the franchise tag amount, though. Him and Tony probably make the same amount this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the difference is Saquon's not, it's not franchised. Probably has some incentives in there. But um, after Saquon Barkley, which is his $10 million, it drops off significantly right. to Dalvin Cook at $7 million. So, And then Miles Sanders is getting $6.35 million a year on average. So um, guys like Austin Eckler looking to get paid, guys like John Jerry Swift looking to get paid, they play the position similarly. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if um, – my, uh, if DeAndre Swift is looking for something Miles Sanders related, you know, six million, seven million a year. James Conner's getting seven million a year, so he's earned that the way he the oh. way he beat us, like the way he beat us like a drum. So big, big time. Um, I think DeAndre Swift is looking looking for something between six and six and eight million a year, and I don't think Harry Rosen is going to give him that. So it's over over happening. a three year span, it was at twenty four million. He's not giving him that. He's not giving him that. No. Nope. If that's what nah. it is, he won't be here. He, nah, he, be wouldn't, here. he wouldn't even get Miles Sanders that and he drafted him. And you yeah. know, these the Eagles love their draft picks. He drafted a guy, developed mm-hmm. a guy. He didn't even give it to him. So it makes you think he's giving it to a guy he brought in on a one-year rental. Yeah. Because he likes him. Guy. Yep. So all right. I, 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 I'm not buying it. So, um, so, all right, good. Cox, Swift, uh, without saying – it goes without saying A.J. Brown. And, again, he'll speak a little bit later today. But he's had mm-hmm. a, a monster year. I mean, for most of the year – he and you can still make this case. He was the number two guy behind Tyree Kill in terms of wide receivers in the league. Um, so he's had a great year. Devontae Smith's had another thousand yard year, you know, and he gets a little bit overshadowed by AJ, but still, this guy's the real deal. Um, I, I still think Kelsey and Lane have had good seasons for them. I do. Um, I'm not telling you they're what they were maybe three years ago, but they're not that far off. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Lane and Kelsey. Slight down season, slight. But again, when you when they played the position at the at the level that they played it at for so long, any misstep, we're going to notice it. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, what they are now, teams would give an arm and a leg oh. to have a center and a right tackle playing at that level. Yeah, so totally. I can't really kill them but so much, man. A Father Tom is undefeated. And the fact that you have Kelsey and Lane playing at this high of a level at this age. You got to roll with that. All right. So I'll throw two other names at you. And you tell me, I, I would consider them having good years personally, but Hertz and Reddick. Mm-hmm. Good, not great. Not great. They were great last year, the two of them. Good this year, but not great. Step back, but still good is how I would categorize it. See, here's the thing, man. Um, with Jalen Hurts, those turnovers are so damning. 
They are killers. To have 18 on the season, 18 turnovers, and you have a grand total of 38 touchdowns. So you basically you're basically dealing with a guy that's giving you a two to one touchdown and interception ratio. Well, mm-hmm. a two to one touchdown to turnover ratio. Um, I prefer my quarterbacks to have a three to one ratio. Um, yeah, a, a three to one touchdown touchdown three to three to one touchdown turnover ratio. That's what I prefer. But right now yeah. he's at a two to one, just based off of way uh, too thirty. Yeah, and it's, it's it's too high. Um, look. I understand turnovers are part of the game at the quarterback position. You throw the ball way more, you're going to turn the ball over more. That's just the re- that's the nature of the game. You know, um, I think the interceptions wouldn't be much of a problem if he didn't have the fumbles with it. You know what I mean? 14 interceptions on 522 attempts, not the worst thing in the world in this NFL where you're throwing the ball that many times a, uh, a game. Um, it's a part of it. Um, the, the unfortunate part about his interceptions is They've contributed directly to two losses, and right. that's the that's the Jets' loss and the Seahawks' loss. Seahawks' loss, yeah, yeah, yep. those, yeah, they 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 lost two games specifically because of his turnovers. Um, no question, yeah, yeah. So it's hard for me to say Hertz is having a good year because the turnovers are so alarming. Um, I'm willing to say he's had a decent year, um, probably bad by his standards, but. Decent. And again, I don't think he's going to have another year like this turning the ball over. I think every quarterback has that one season or two in there. If a quarterback has a 12 year career, 13 year career, I think they have at least two seasons out of that 13 where they're just turning the ball over left and right. No, no quarterback escapes it. Every quarterback goes through that season where they have more turnovers than they normally would. So it's a part of it's a it's it's baked in. Right. Um, Hassan Reddick having a good year. Not great. Good. Um, but if we're if we're being honest with ourselves and not being emotional, Hassan Reddick is actually what he's doing is actually par for the course. If you look at his career numbers outside of the first three years where he was being misused in Arizona, his last four seasons, um in 2020, 12 and a half sacks, 2021, 11 sacks, 2022. 16 sacks and if you want to throw in the playoff sacks um if you yeah if, if, if you want to throw in the postseason um he had 19 and a half sacks in 2022 so um and then in 2023 he's at 11 sacks right now so 2022 was the anomaly year the outlier year 2020 2021 and 2023 is par for the course so um one can argue this is Hassan Reddick's standard um and we're just not used to and we're just kind of expecting him to play above that you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I think he's having a good year last year was great but he's having a good year this year yeah I agree and and you know he's cost himself a lot of money I think too uh with a good year not a great year he's going into the last year of his deal mm-hmm. and there may not where I think that was almost automatic they were going to extend him I don't know that they're going to extend him they might just roll roll the dice and go into the last year of the deal with him Possibly. Yeah, yeah, and and that's gonna be one to keep your eye on this off season. And remember, last year he forced five fumbles, whereas this year he's only forced one. One, um, right? And he reco- he recovered three last year. Haven't rec- hasn't recovered any. Yeah, he so, had a nose um, for the ball last year. Yeah, yeah. So and, and look, he has he has less he has less tackles. Um, granted, he has a game left to play, right? Yeah. But but the fact of the matter is, he hasn't had the same level of production this year. 
as he did last year. Now, also to give him up to throw him some bail, the first three or four weeks, he didn't get a sack because he had that thing on his hand. He you had know, a broken thumb. thumb. Yeah, he had a broken right. thumb. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's so, fair. That's fair. Right. So, you know, t- you know, to be totally fair to him, um, if you really look, if you really look at it, uh, he came on, he 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 got his first sack in week two. And um he pretty much he pretty much came on you know uh, from there mm-hmm. so i mean not having a second the past three weeks is an indictment for sure um he was on pace to have 16 17 sacks but the last three weeks has kind of hurt him mm-hmm. so you know maybe maybe he ends the season with 12 13 which is still a great which is still which is still a good year oh, if you got, if you got somebody time. to give you yeah it's, it's a good year well, so. that's the thing with all three of these guys we just mentioned Hertz and Kelsey and uh, you know and uh, all four of them Kelsey and Lane and Reddick mm-hmm. most teams would kill to have guys like that to, to have the seasons these guys have had you know mm-hmm. for the minus the, the turnovers for Hertz um but it's not it's not up to the standard that they had they had last year do you, do, do you think – because I was talking to John McMullen about this last night on Football 24-7. We do the show about three times out of the week, um, typically Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays sometimes. But nonetheless, yeah. um, do you think the city's expectations of this team is a bit out of whack? No. Uh, I don't think they're out of whack because they went to a Super Bowl last year and lost by three. I think the city's expectation of them winning a Super Bowl – is right in line. And I know the history of teams that they don't repeat, but wh- where else would you set the bar if you got to where they got to? I don't I think you. it's out of whack. I'm with I you. I'm, I, um, I'm with you. All right. Let's, let's get a time. We'll get, we didn't get to the bad or the quiet and we will do that. We will do that yeah. I promise a little bit later in the show, but let's come back. Yeah. We'll talk a little Sixers with Keith Pompey as they continue their winning ways, beat the bulls and beat with the triple double. Uh, things looking really good for the basketball team. So let's dive into that when we come back. Tony Shields, Rob Ellis, we are Sports State, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about ProAction Restoration. Yes, if you have a home, you have a business, and you've gone through the pain, the inconvenience of water, fire, smoke damage, you need mold remediation, whatever the case may be, you know how trying that can be. And if you haven't experienced it yet, I want you to be ready if it happens to you. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. You guys know I've been telling you about this. I've gone through it. And it is rough, man. It is rough if you don't have the right people, and I do. And they've handled everything, and it's amazing what they've been able to do. ProAction Restoration is also licensed, bonded, and fully insured, and they've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So, again, water, fire, smoke, mold remediation, you name it, they'll handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623. 3760 or online at proactionrestoration.com. That's proactionrestoration.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Shields. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports State Kicks for you to network. If you could hit the like button, we would appreciate it, friends. All right, Tom. So the Sixers uh, return home and and uh, get right back on the winning side of this thing. They took care of the Bulls. Now, the final score was 110-97. It was nowhere near that close. There was a lot of garbage time that made that look a little bit more respectable than it was. Joining us right, right now to discuss all things Sixers. He does an awesome job covering the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can follow him on Twitter slash X at Pompeii on Sixers and look for his work at uh, Inquirer.com. Keith, good to see you, man. How you doing? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to y'all, man. How you been? Uh, Keith, good, whoa, man. Whoa. Re- really good. Yeah. Good to see you back, bud. Good to see you back. How was the? Uh, how was that trip? That was a pretty long trip. You guys were uh, yeah, it, 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 it was cool. You know, it was a little... Uh, disappointing because you wanted Embiid to play, right? You wanted to see what he could do against certain teams. But um, I also felt like it was a good trip because we learned something about certain players. You know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, I, so tell, I, tell me who, who, who are the guys we learned some things about? You know what? The one thing is like, we always talked about Marcus Morris before. Right. And, and I felt like I saw different things from him. Like, uh, you know, he didn't really play particularly well in that Miami game. But I felt like, you know, he lives down in that Miami area. And I felt like he was playing Santa the night before with his kids, right, Um, uh, or that night. But I I felt like in the Orlando game, you know, we all know him as a shooter. And we know what he could do. But that Orlando game, they basically ran a lot of their offense from him at the nail. Um, And I was impressed by what I saw from him. Then the the following game in Houston, you know, he, he showed the clutch gene. You know, in that fourth quarter, he ended up with 
15 points in the game. He scored 10 of those points in the fourth. And he had uh, a three that gave him a lead early. Then he came back with a four-point play. He grabbed the rebound with one uh, with 1.8 seconds left, defensive rebound, and scored the final point of the game. So I think we learned a lot about him. Um, we also learned what roles are going to be. So if you look at uh, Robert Covington, you look at Daniel House when he plays, they're essentially going to be energy guys, guys running up and down the floor, um, playing uh, junk defense. If if that you know if you if you see it, but also guys who are you know just giving them sprints, just playing energy. So I think we learned a lot about what they want to do. And and the one thing is, I felt like Maxi finally stepped up without Embiid. You know mm-hmm. now, you know he stepped up now. When they played against New Orleans, he skinned, he had 30-something points. But if we're going to be real, it was one of those things where New Orleans took their starters out and the Sixers went on a run. It was kind of like last night with Chicago. They made it closer than what it was. But to me, uh, he struggled in Miami. He was the man in New Orleans. He had 42 points against Houston. So those are the things that my, my takeaways from that trip. You know, Keith, um, Thanks again for coming onto the platform as always. You know, you mentioned how, you know, you're beginning to see these roles being carved out, especially what you notice over the um over the road trip. You've covered this game for a long time. In your experience, how long does it typically take an NBA an NBA team to essentially establish um the concrete roles of the players on the team. And when it comes to this, when it comes to this Philadelphia 76 team, or have you seen them, have you seen them begin to carve out their roles quicker than Sixers teams you've covered in the past? I have, I have. Yeah. And, and, and it typically takes a long time, especially when you, when you factor in that um, a team like this doesn't have a training camp with their, with the, the players that they brought in. Right. But I, I think it, it's carved out quicker than normal, and it's starting to be carved out now quicker than normal when you factor in the injuries they had too, so they didn't have a lot of guys mm-hmm. there. But when you look at it, a lot of these guys played ball together before, whether it was with the Clippers, whether it was with the Houston Rockets, whether it was with Detroit. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these guys know something, and something that people really don't know is that um, Marcus Morris – you know, Mook, they call him in Philly. And Tobias basically grew up together. They played on AAU teams together in the summertime. So they've known each other since they were teenagers. So I think that what we're seeing is that, you know, you have a good coaching staff that are allowing these guys to do things that they did before while they were together. And that's the reason why you're seeing them able to go out there and excel together. That's why, you know, Batum, like, he always knows how to get open. Marcus Morris knows how to get open. You know, Patrick Beverly knows where to find certain people at. And Tobias is now being a little bit more aggressive. You know, I, I think that when you have a lot of veterans who communicate and, and talk as much as they do and hang out together, like I think that this is part of the reason why they're able to carve out these roles and why they're playing well together. Keith, they're off to a really good start. Um, if there's one thing that you could say Nick Nurse has done that you, you point at and say, man, this is really a difference maker or uh, this is what has stood out to me thus far. You know, it's two things. Well, the, the one thing is 
Um, and it's something that I think is a little bit underrated, right? Hmm. I, I, I think that Nick Nurse's ability to listen to his guys in the in the heat of the game and they and say, okay, let's try it. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 again, you know, you, you think it happens more often than not, but it doesn't. Like from what I players are telling me, they go up to him and say, Hey, look, uh, this ain't really working, or hey, look, can we consider doing this? We think it's gonna work. And Nick is like, Okay, go ahead, try it mm-hmm. out. Like, that's, that's you know, not like common sense, though. Don't keep it. Sounds like common sense, but common like sense ain't common, right? Common, it ain't sense common. Common. <laughs> common sense don't really work in this league, bro. I mean, like, the more you think it would, it doesn't. Because, you know, some people start saying, oh, nah, I see what I see. But it takes a smart, you know, look, man, Nick Nurse is a doctor in, like, education, right? You know, he has his, his doctorate, right? Well, Sometimes they, they say the real smart people keep it simple sometimes, right? Like keep it, keep it simple, stupid, and that's what he does. But look, prime example, when they were playing in Houston, you like at one minute these guys were in zone, and then the next minute the players are looking like, no, we got to do this. Nick Nurse allows that to happen. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were switching up the defense on the fly because of – you know, they're veterans, they know stuff. And and to me, that's a sign of a smart coach, man. Like, let's keep it real. If you're a coach and you, like, let's change, change the football. If you got the best running back in the league, are you going to run a spread offense and try to go deep? Or are you going to give the ball to running back the ball? And I think Nick Nurse is the type of guy, he sees what's going on. And he's allowing these guys to excel and do what they have to do. Doug so, Peterson, the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> Doug, hey, let's go yeah. to Philly, Philly. Boom. All right, yeah. do it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the, that that kind of thinking is missing right now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, <laughs> but uh, I digress. You know, I look at this team. Right. And um, I, I, I can't, you know, in, in years past, I feel like I've been able to really carve out what their ceiling is. This year, I'm having a hard time figuring out what this team's ceiling is, especially that's a good thing. To, by the and, way. And, and, and by the way, like Rob said, I think that's a good thing. Um, I have no idea what this team's ceiling is. It's a great thing, but it's also scary as well. Um, when you look at this team, and then you and then you think about the other contenders in, in in the conference, right? Milwaukee and Boston, and then you even in oh shoot, you got you guys got me. I think I lost you for a second. I got um, you. But anyway, you, you you think about the other contenders. Um, how do you measure up the Philadelphia Seventy uh, Sixers to the other contenders in the league? You know what? Is 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 I'm kind of like with Rob. Like it's, it's kind of like it's hard to figure out, but that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, initially, what you want to say is you look at this roster and you say to yourself, like, this is a good roster, but I don't know if it's good enough to beat Boston. You say that, right? You say that. Um, like you you do think that they can beat Milwaukee just because of I feel like this roster got better from the from the first game of the season. And I feel like they should have defeated Milwaukee then, right? Um, the one thing is, I think that right now, like guys on this roster, the reason why they make it so hard is because Nick Batum wasn't supposed to be this good. You know, Marcus Morris wasn't supposed to be the leader that he is. He wasn't supposed to be as versatile. Kelly Oubre was supposed to be a head case that nobody wanted to play with, right? Who is supposed to be jacking up threes and, and messing up the game. Well, all the things that people are saying about all these guys aren't happening. They're just not, right? So you look at this team. Maxie wasn't supposed to be ascending the way that he is, right? So when you look at it, 
you know, on paper, they're, they're going to be the underdog. But I don't think that they need to get that superstar that everybody was saying for them to excel. I think that they have the right pieces. And another thing is, like, here's something else that, that we don't talk about. They all know that Joel Embiid is the man. And they all want him to be the man. In the past, you know, if it was James Harden being passive aggressive or it was just Ben just being Ben, like there was always a power struggle. They don't have that. And I think that when you have a team, like, again, I'm not picking on the favorite, but when they're a team and they're gelling, you know, it, it's hard to count them out if they if they all come to play. You know, yeah, I, Keith, I agree with you. I, I love the way this sets up with these role players, man. Like they all get it, man. It just makes a lot of sense. And I guess the question I would have is then if you're Daryl Moore, you have a, a tough call to make it. It appears they may be one sh- score short. I, I don't yeah. mean someone who's got to get 20, but someone who's consistently going to get you 16 ish because sometimes Tobias can can, you know, fade yeah. in and out. Well, 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 let me ask let me ask both of you guys this question then, right? You know, since we're on that topic, you know, when I look at Denver last year and how they won the championship, I never felt like Denver was the most talented team in the playoffs. I never felt like that, but I felt like they were the most cohesive. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think do you and Rob, you can probably incorporate this in your question. I mean, do you guys feel like, you know, this team can can get by or go get further with cohesion rather than adding more talent? I, I love the way they're made up. I do. But I, I, I do worry that they're just a little bit short in terms of do anything dramatic. I don't. Um, but I do think one more piece. But it, this is Keith, I think it's a tough call because I know Maury has set this up where he can also have so much freedom in the offseason if he just lets it ride. You, you have a guess right now? I know we're only in early January as, as to what he'll do. Yeah, I think that if he does something, I think it's going to be, you know, more of a on the line of a guy who is going to be. I'm not going to say a role player like I say a role player, but a standout role player, if that makes sense. Like a guy who makes something happen, a guy who can hit shots, but a guy who can play on both sides of the ball, who can defend. You know, the the big problem that they have right now is that in, in regards to going out there and getting another elite score is, is that person going to be happy with their role? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that person going to be happy? Because, I mean, you look at it, um, you know, right now, Maxi, you need Maxi to continue to ascend. But if he ascends, is this person going to take shots away from Maxi? But, like, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I know this sounds, and, and uh, like, I really like Alex Caruso. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like his length. I like his toughness. I like his ability. Like, you know, it's funny because he's a guy that, you know, was an undrafted dude that nobody, people didn't think was going to make it in the league, and he's gotten better. And you look at him coming off the bench and see what he's going to do. But then the problem is if you go out there and you get an elite score, right, well, what is that going to do for Kelly Oubre? Like, what is that going to do for, like, you know, Marcus Morris? You know, all these other guys who you're giving them opportunities and they show them what they can do. So to me, I, I, I love the cohesion. I mean, I do. I, I really do. And I think that, you know, you look at the, the, the Detroit Pistons back in the day, they were a cohesive team. These guys liked that They got along. They played well. You know, they won championships. And I'm, I'm talking about the Rip Hamilton ones. And, and I know they were all-stars, right? But at the same time, when you look at the recent teams, like that one, the Lakers and, and all that, they weren't on that level. So – 
you know, and you look at Denver, like you said, you know, they had the Joker, the only all-star that they had. They had good players, but the only all-star. So I, I think they can do it. And I'm going to tell you this, you are right. Like, I remember when I used to cover this Sixers team that they would have, like, team meetings and stuff like that or guys would want to hang out together. Joel didn't show up. Ben Simmons didn't show up. It was like Tobias and a bunch of role players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now you look at it, all of them go out. Like, they all go out, and they all hang out together, and they have a good time together. There's, like, a lot of laughing laughing and joking and it's, to me, the thing that, that makes it, I guess, I'm not going to say weird, but good to watch is from a standpoint that a lot of these guys are on expiring contracts. And mm-hmm. when it's time to be selfish and care about self and not help out each other, this could be the time because you're trying to extend your career. Right. But yet and still, you guys see it. They're yeah. all clapping, they're cheering, they're this and that. And I had a conversation with one of them, and I'm sorry for being long-winded, no, fine, but, but but I had a conversation with one of them, and he said to me, he said, Keith, look, yeah, we all want to play. We all want to get paid. But when you see something that's as special as this is right now, and we're playing with big fella who's doing all this stuff, now ain't the time to worry about self. You don't want to be this dude. You want to help this team win. So – you know what I mean? So I think that goes a long way when you have a lot of selfless players. You know what I mean? It's, it's so funny you say that, Keith. I mean, you know, you know, I've you know, I've been you know reading your stuff and listening to you on different platforms for the past couple of years, past few years now. And, you know, I don't think I've heard you say and correct me if I'm wrong, please. But I don't think I've heard you say that a guy on that roster you know, had that level of thinking or had that or or, or, or at least put things in perspective like that. Um, sometimes you just need the right combination of personalities in the room for things to work. But even then, you know, money's involved. It's a business. Guys want to make sure they get theirs. But sometimes when you just see greatness happening in front of you, you got to just roll with it. Because if you if you latch yourself onto it, somebody's going to look at you and say, hey, you are a part of that. OK, we'll invest in you just off the sake of that. I mean, um, I look at this team right now, and I think, I think, I think Maxi is like the secret ingredient. I think Maxi's energy, along with the production and his personality, is exactly what the doctor ordered when it comes to this Philadelphia 76ers team. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so too. I, I, I still think that he has some growing to do, like ascending, like and but but again, and and that's not a knock on him. Like, believe me, it's just that you got you got to go through it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he's going to go through it. Like, you know, yesterday, prime example, he was bumping the defender. He was bumping Caruso. And he said, look, this is how they do me. So this is what I'm going to do. Well, he's starting to learn. Because when Maxi first came here, James Harden and P.J. Tucker used to get on him for being too nice. Like, mm-hmm. he was too nice. He spoke to everyone. Now he's starting to realize, like, yo, this is real. Like, before he had the power, he had he was athletic. He was this and that. But I think – you know, he's realizing that, you know what, this everybody's not out here to be nice to me. I got to be just as physical and I have to do things. But once he goes through all that, yeah, he's going to be that guy. He's also going to we're going to see him fail at certain times because people are going to blitz him. They're going to do all these different things to him. But, yeah, I, I think he does have uh, he does have that. I mean, you know, I, you know, Maxie might even be the most improved player in the league this year. So he is that guy. But also. I do think the fact that if you look at Maxi 
and you saw some of them step back threes he did yesterday, I thought I was looking at Harden. Yep. So I think, you know what I mean? I think that the best thing that happy, happened to Maxie's um, uh, progression as a player was the last two years he had under Harden. And now he got he has dudes like Pat Bev, uh, Marcus Morris, you know, these other dudes who are known to be tough guys in the league. So they're telling him, like, look, yeah, you got this stuff from James, but now you got to bring it. So I think that all this right now is helping in his maturation. And mm-hmm. when Maxi, that's going to help Maxi become the elite player that we all think that he is going to be. Keith, let's talk a little bit more about the big fella. What's made mm-hmm. him better than he even was last year as the MVP? You know, it's crazy, isn't it, man? Yeah. It's crazy. It don't but seem I, real sometimes, Keith, when he's playing. And it's, it's I mean, like his dominance is almost uncanny. Like, yeah, I mean, it's how, uncanny. how long was that stretch for thirty plus points? What was that? 10, 12, uh, 15, 15 and fourteen. 15, 15, yeah, for 15 and fourteen. Yeah, it's like yeah. yeah, whatever one you want to do. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about you know we're talking about the all-time great centers. Like, you know, and, and, you know, every Wilt Chamberlain gets a lot of, you know, we all love Wilt, right? Wilt from Philly. We're from Philly. We do this. But the stuff that Kareem did was phenomenal too. You know what I mean? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the guy. And, he, like, the only centers who have done this is Joel Embiid, Kareem, and Wilt Chamberlain. So that just tells you what he's doing. But it's two things. I I think that, well, actually, I want to say three things. I think that Joel Embiid has better teammates to fit his system in regards to they're all cutting now to the basket. He has more shooters around him. That's enabling. And then Maxi having Maxi with him is making it harder for you to double. Like, you can double, but now he has people that's going to knock down shots consistently, Right. I also think the fact that this is his team. There's nobody competing with him, like we said before. Like, he knows that. And he's going to go out there and he's going to do what he wants. Like, it's it's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like James Harden is not trying to outshoot you. You know, Ben is not trying to pass the ball to somebody else. I, I think it's all about Joel. But then there's that maturation as well. Like, you know what I mean? So I think is three things. He has better teammates. He's matured. He's, you know, he's, he, he knows what moves, I mean, what, what plays to make, but, but, but also, you know, is also, he's the unquestioned leader and he's the man, he's the man. And they all want him to be the man. Have, have we ever seen a yeah, I, I thought a great example this, was, was the one that he got for the 10th assist last night. Sorry to interrupt tone, but like that was a great fine. example of guys cutting and, and he finds them. Uh, it was just, it, it, yeah. it goes right to what you're talking about, Keith. Have, have we seen the Jordan be this good? I mean, he, he appears to be playing at a level that I've never seen him play before. Nah, nah, we haven't. And Tone, you like a little, you're just a little bit younger than us. I know, I know, it's, I know, I know, I know. I'm 29. Speak for yourself, man. I'm 18. Come on, Keith. Okay, all right. Well, then, well let, let, let's just say our grandparents used to tell us about Dr. J and, and people like that. Right, but, right, right, right. But see, the thing <laughs> is, when you thought of, like, as a kid growing up, when you thought of the 76ers, even if the 76ers weren't the best team in the league, and which was tough back then because you had the Lakers and the Celtics, you knew they had one of the best players in the league. 
arguably the best player in their position. Like when Doc was here, he was the best small forward in the league, right? The best one, if not the best player, right, early. Then you have Barkley, the best power forward. You know what I mean? Like this and that. So you look at Embiid and you're like, wow, it's back to that. You know, even Iverson for a little bit, but it was later. But now it's one of those things where you're saying to yourself, like, Embiid might be the best player in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, he just might be like he surpassed all these other guys. And so, no, we've never seen this. We haven't because what the things that he's doing. And again, I have to say this has to go to Nick Nurse because remember in the past we would like, why is he out there shooting threes? Yep. Why isn't he driving in the lane? Why is he using his power? I mean, he's driving in the lane, dunking on people left and right. I mean, he is making that mid range shot. That's like a bucket for him. But at the same time, it's not like he's standing at the three-point line, out of shape, jogging from three-line to three-line. Joel Embiid is imposing his will. So I think that has a lot to do with the coach, and he is the most dominant player in the league right now. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 been fun. I tell you what, though, Keith, it, for all the uh, sort of ill will, which, granted, they brought on by, by not getting past the second round, man, like – I think that with the Harden trade and with Nurse and and having guys who just sort of get it and look like they're enjoying the game, man, it has made this fun. I know there's still a lot of people that are in the mode of I'm not going to watch it till they play in the second round. That's fine if that's what they want to do. But this team is fun. You're missing out on a really good product so far this year. You're exactly right. And I want to say this. And, Tone, you were right. Like, I've never felt this way about this team. And 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 I hope I'm not jinxing them or whatever, knock on wood, this whole thing. <laughs> but But the thing is, and, and, you know, and, and Rob is right, too. Like, yes, it's going to matter in the playoffs. But there's two things we're talking about. You got a bunch of guys who got traded here, don't know if they're going to be here in February or not. But they're all out there hanging together, having a good time, cheering for each other. They all talk about how they want to be here, right? You know, Nick Batoon had to go through some family stuff. They, they, they supported him. You know, uh, Kelly Oubre went through what he went through. They supported him, right? And the thing is, it's one of those things where, you know, you enjoy it because this could be an an extremely stressful situation for a team. Guys not knowing if they're going to be here tomorrow or not. But whatever they're doing, they're all gelling, man. They're all playing together and they're all supporting Joel. So that says a lot, dude, for, uh, for this team. Because, you know, typically when you got a bunch of guys like this, it's time to go for self. But yeah. they're not. They're not. And and I think that's has a lot to do with, you know, Nick Nurse as the coach. And it says a lot about the players who they brought in. Yeah, I, I was literally about to say uh, Nick Nurse, you have to give credit to him. He's created this environment that these players can coexist in and not feel, I guess, this this, this underlying pressure of, OK, are we going to get traded? Our contract situation, what's the future of this team? They can't get out of the second round. It just seemed like Nick Nurse has just brought a completely different tone or feeling around this organization. And, you know, it just seems more I, I feel more optimism in the way he can the way he conducts himself and his post game speech to the, to the team or in the press conferences. He just seems like a guy that's just going with the flow and just riding this wave and. Um, just maximizing whatever he has at his disposal and just created, again, a, a healthy environment for these guys to coexist and play in and have fun in. Yeah, you, you're exactly right. And that's what it is. And, and the thing is, like again, it goes to um, 
realizing who your stars is, realizing that what they have works. And and then also, I hate to say it, he's a championship coach. So they respect that. And here's yeah. something else that we're not talking about. Like, you know, he had a relationship with Marcus Morris from when he was the uh, the Houston Rockets G League coach. Marcus, oh, yeah. his rookie year, he had a relationship with Pat Bev the same way. Mm-hmm. So you understand what I'm saying? Like these yeah. are guys that he has relationship with. So then you look at Pat Bev, some people might be like, well, is he hard to coach? Well, not the Nick. Nick knows him. You know, yeah. he knows him. He he, wel- he welcomes that. So, you know, I, I think he is a, a, a good coach and, and, and they all respect it, but they all have prior relationships with him. Mm-hmm. And that's what also makes it work. Keith, great stuff, man. Always, always fun catching up. You can follow Definitely. Keith at Pompeii on Sixers and, of course, Inquire.com for all his work. It could be a fun one on Friday against the Knicks, man. New look yeah, it Knicks. will be. It will yeah. be. Yeah. It, it will be. I'm looking forward to that one. Keith, appreciate <laughs> it, man. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Mr. Pompey. Yeah, appreciate you, sir. Man. Call me Keith. Mr. Pompey's my dad. And he <laughs> might say, call me Bill. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Keith. Got y'all. you, KP. I got All you, right, man. man. Take care. <laughs> yeah, that is Keith Pompey. All right, let's get a quickie in here. Uh, Tom, when we come back, I'll update you on a couple things that Nick Sirianni had to say today and some injury updates uh, for the Eagles as well. And then we'll dive into our NFL segment. We didn't get to the bad part of the good and the bad and the quiet. We'll do all those things when we get back. Don't go anywhere. He's Tone DeShields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Stake. All right, let's tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, they're an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. Uh, They are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You can go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call, 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. 
Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Friends, Rob Ellis, Stone Shields, hanging out with you on this Wednesday, January 3rd. Hope you're doing great out there. All right, Tone, let me update you on a couple things. Nick Sirianni met with the media uh, a little bit earlier. A couple things stand out. One, I'll, I'll go positive uh, before I go negative here. Um, so first oh. and foremost, injury-wise, um, Devontae Smith is out of the boot. He's off crutches, and Nick Sirianni said everybody should be available for Sunday. Uh, that includes uh, Slay, that includes Zach Cunningham, that includes Devontae Smith, among others. So, um, you know, you are getting healthy at the right time. So all of those guys uh, should be available, uh, according to uh, to Nick. So that's good. Uh, AJ's meeting with the media now, and we'll, we'll pass along anything that he has to say. But, Ooh, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But the one – one of the things that stood out to me about what he said, well, I'll give you a couple other things. So he said that he had the full backing of Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman when he decided to make the change at defensive coordinator. Okay. So you could, you could believe whatever you want there in terms of who made that decision ultimately, but that's what he said. Okay. And I can't imagine that those, those guys weren't um, in on this thing. You know, it wasn't just Nick going to him the, saying, Hey, the, what do you the think? Full oh, backing. All right. All right okay. Yeah. The full backing. I'll take it. Believe whatever you want. All right. Don't, don't, don't shoot the messenger as they say. Um, I'll take but it. I, yeah. So the, the other thing though, that, that drove me nuts. So he talked about how the missed tackle Sunday were very uncharacteristic of them this season. I'm sorry, man. We've been watching this happen all year. Don't BS me. As Barrett used to say, don't don't this do something and tell me it's raining, okay? Because <laughs> that's what you're doing right now, okay, Nick? We, we've all seen it all year. It's been an issue all year. It's been sloppy all season from everybody at every level, from the defensive line to the linebackers to your, to your secondary. That's where I'm call, I'm throwing a BS flag. I'm challenging that, you know, in two seconds. So that that was the one that caught me that ticked me off. The other stuff, you know, whatever. It, it, it's why not- why do people do that or do this you know we're all watching the same thing unfold i know you're trying to tell me yeah this is something fairly new this is the part where i look at nick sirianni is like dude you don't gotta you don't gotta 
just go out. You, you don't got to die on a hill like that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like if somebody asks you about the poor tackle and say, "Hey, you listen, you know we're you know we're looking at everything. Um, we know we have a lot to improve on. Um, you know we're doing our best to check every box, especially in preparation for the playoffs. Um, everyone knows what their job is, and everyone knows what the expectation is. So we're going to continue to uh, to get better at our jobs. You you, you know, it, you don't have to just sit there and lie. But I mean, yeah. like, it, you know what I mean? It's, bro, I, I don't it's know. I'm, I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead, continue. No, man, I, dude. Why we're here? I, I like to hear what you have to say. Um, it doesn't make sense to me to, to lie like that. It's just pretty simple. Like you know what? It's been an issue all year. Uh, it's something that we have to get better at. Period. And and what we saw Sunday was unacceptable. Okay, you, uh, nobody's arguing that. You you say it. It's real, and you move on. All right. Let me update you on AJ now. Um, so on on one of the reasons why he didn't speak. Quote: I didn't want to be negative. I just have to go back to work. I'm not trying to make it worse. Um, he said he was upset that Devontae Smith got hurt on that third and 20 play call. He said, quote, everybody in the locker room is frustrated. I want to win. Um, you know, tell him this kind of this kind of lines up with what we were saying, right? That's um, cold. That's he's, cold. He, he said, I'm mad he got hurt on that play. That's cold for why the hell did we run that dumbass play? It, it's code for, do you realize you have me and you have Devontae who can get down the field and make a play for you and Dallas you Goddard? Block yeah, not blocking. Not not the 160-pound guy blocking. Um, so, A, uh, I, you know, and he also, the other part of it is he's trying not to, he was trying not to make it worse, you know, again, uh, which is, you know, kind of what we were we were talking about. So there's those two things. So, you know, he clarified that, um, that that's the issue. Well, one of the one of the issues uh, that is going on here. Um, he said, I have the utmost respect for Nick. Um, we're right there. Uh, coaches don't play. We play. In other words, you know, we're not that far off and we as players have to make plays too. So it's not just, not just him. Um, so he, there's a collective frustration, both on the player side and the coach's side and what's being called. So that that's everything I have right now. Uh, if I get more, uh, from AJ, I'll pass it along. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, he says, uh, I have the utmost respect for Nick. Um, at the end of the day, we play um, and we got to execute. We're not that far away. You know, respect is one thing. Trust is an entirely another thing. Yeah. And, you know, I can have I can have respect for someone because I was raised to have respect for people. Right. You know, uh, you didn't necessarily wrong me. Um, you're not a bad person, so I so I, so I respect you. I respect your position, but do I trust you mm. um, with certain things? Do I trust you to, to you know to do right by us as a team, or whatever? Probably not. So I think yeah, I think the respect is probably still there. Maybe the trust, probably pro- probably not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. He said he also uh, he didn't want to compound a negative with a negative. Uh, and, and understands how he was being portrayed by some as a monster. Um, so uh, he really respects the loyalty Nick has shown during the stretch, says the issue is not play calling or coaching, uh, says it's player execution. So it sounds like it's a lot of different things that he's throwing out there. Uh, yeah, the gist of it is he was trying not to be negative, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, he, he's playing damage control, throwing a lot of smoke screens, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But. No, nah. I don't buy it, but I, but I respect it. I respect what he's doing. Yeah, you no, know, I, I I don't buy all of it, 
But he's I'm trying to put an end to some of the speculation. So that's Look, why he's standing up and talking. And I get it. I yeah. totally understand what he's trying to do, right? So beggars can't be choosers, right? We asked him to speak and he's speaking. So yeah. um, I can't, I'm not mad at what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, no one listens to wide receivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the people look at you as, you know, your job is to catch the ball. Um, so I think I think he's approaching it from that angle as well. Like, look, at the end of the day, I'm not the quarterback. No one's going to listen yeah. to what I got to say. Um, but at the same time, I think I think I think he knows. I think he knows some. He obviously knows something that we don't. Sure. And he wants to just keep it as clean and PC as possible. Yeah, and but don't think have, for a second that the organization didn't say to him, "Dude, we need you to get in front of this." Yeah, like we we prefer you don't go you don't go out there. You know, just, just they don't want him going kamikaze. They don't exactly. want that. Exactly. But, but, no, but, look, but, I, I think he handled it. You know, again, I'm not there, but, and when we're doing, yeah. I'm piecemealing everything I'm seeing together. But I think he's he's handling it pretty well. So. I think he did exactly what we expected him to do. He did exactly, exactly what he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. If we're being mm-hmm. honest. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He went out there, addressed everything, you know, cleaned it up, tried, you know, tried to quell the flames. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. So I can't get mad at a guy for doing what he was supposed to do in that situation. Um, like, let's be honest. What, like, did we really expect him to go out there and all of a sudden just say, "Yeah, you know, Nick sucks"? No. Um, all this kind of stuff. No, we didn't really expect that. No. Um, we, you know, we expected a guy who had two weeks to get his thoughts together, and you know, he said what he said. So mm-hmm. look, that's all you really can expect. But again, it doesn't change my mind on what's going on in that situation. It doesn't change the narrative for me at all. Same. I think everything we discuss is still holding true. But, mm-hmm. you know, guys are doing their best not to be a distraction. And all I can Agreed. do is respect that. Agreed. All right, let's get back to uh, – and we'll, we'll, we'll talk NFL in a second because there is some stuff to, to hit here NFL-wise. All right, so we did the good earlier uh, from this season thus far. Let's do some of the bad. Um I'll, I'll start off with Captain Obvious here. Um, the 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 fall of James Bradbury is uh, is is nothing short of remarkable, honestly, Tony. Uh, I mean, um, he had a really good year for them last year, and he has been beyond a liability. Like you're scared to death whenever you see 24 near a football. Like it's generally somebody streaking past him, you know. Yeah. But he has just been beyond torched where they may have to put themselves in a really untenable position of eating a boatload of money just to move on next year. You may have to do it. Yeah, I know. And in hindsight, you can't, you don't really look at this team as you don't, you're like when, when Harry brought him back, we didn't, none of us said to ourselves, Oh, a mistake. We all said to ourselves, well, at least you, at least you got somebody back. Right. Cause he was the only person they really were able to bring back. Right. I was glad. I was very uh, I, happy. I, I was glad. I felt like okay, yeah. one less hole we got to worry about. Yeah. Turns out the hole is bigger. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he 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 has become a liability. He can't run. He can't move. He can't tackle. He 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 is he is. I hate to say this about about another man. He's damn near useless. And yeah, you know, you know, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He said. Um, he said in his documentary, which was great, by the way, which was great, by the way, I, I've rewatched it like two or three times over. It's awesome. Um, yeah. The side the bar. Did you did you see Sly? It's awesome. Sly is awesome. It's but so no, good, dude. The background. But, um, I didn't know some of the stuff about his parents, uh, you, yeah, you know, the, his dad, upbringing, the dad. Yeah, yeah, the, we'll, the, he, he went to a farm in Maryland for a little while. I had no idea about any yeah, of this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. off yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, There's so much to unpack with that. But my point yeah. is about. 
um, Bradbury and yeah. how he's damn near useless. Arnold Schwarzenegger said in his documentary that one thing his dad always told him, above all else, even through his dad's ups and downs, the child's tribulations, through the abuse, his dad always told him, Arnold, no matter what you do, be useful. No matter what, be useful. And I, I'm having a hard time seeing where Bradbury is useful at this point. Yeah. Again, can't tackle, can't cover. Um, footwork is all over the place. Constantly being grabby at the point, you know, at, at the catch point. Just can't get out of his own way. He's not useful right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a liability. And they're paying him so much money. So you can't really just say, oh, bench him. You know what I mean? That's not how yeah. the Eagles do. That's not how the Eagles work. There are some organizations, like, no matter what they're paying you, they'll bench you. Like the Patriots, they'll find a way to bench you. Or the, or even the Chargers, they had they paid, which we call all that money, um, uh, J.C. Jackson. They say, yeah, just stay home. You know what I mean? So it's, so it's it's some organizations that don't care. But the Eagles are a team that clearly cares. You pay, listen, you pay them, you play them. And Bradbury, look, he's not a he's not a cancer, but he's just not productive. And that's yeah. the and I feel bad about those kind of guys the most. The guys I agree. are actually good, he, he, good he's teammates. Such a stand up, good dude. He's never made an excuse all year. He's, he said, "Look, I got to play." But I, 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 the Seattle game. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't make not one excuse all year. He didn't. Do and it he the sucks. Super Bowl and he didn't do it now. I know. And I, I, know. I and, I, and I, I feel bad for I the brother. Too. I really but, do. Yeah. I do too. And now people say he's making a ton of money. I don't care. I still feel bad for him. Anyway, I mean, yeah, uh, he's a person. Yes, I mean, agreed. Um, the, here's the other one that's a tough one, Tone. For, I know he has. He doesn't get nearly the opportunity, but Brandon Graham's been very non-impactful. Yeah, yeah, he has. Um, Just, he has it, been. It looks like it may be the end here. Now, maybe he's got. Look, he's played in a lot of playoff games, so maybe he, that's where he should, he flashes, right? And he all yeah. of a sudden it's like, damn, oh, he's still. There's still that Brandon Graham there, but we haven't seen it during the regular season nearly yeah. enough. And, and Gannon wasn't afraid to put him on the field. It seems like Desai and Patricia are afraid to put him on the field for some reason. Right. Um, he hasn't shown any moments of like, like he tweaked something or like, you know, he doesn't seem like a guy who's struggling to get through the season. So get him more snaps, ramp him up. You know what Correct. I mean? Like the, the first part of the season made sense, but now it's time to ramp him up. So uh, because you not giving him snaps is directly hurting Josh Sweat. Directly yep. hurting Hassan Reddick, you know what I mean? Ramp those guys up, mm-hmm. you know, and you know this is the, it. It, it, it kind of makes you think about the young guys too, right? You know, they haven't done a good enough job getting the young guys on the field willingly. They've only put them on the field because they've had to because of injury or whatever it may be. Right. But you know, Brandon Graham, guys, thirty three, thirty four years old, I think thirty five, maybe I don't know, and um. He's not the same player, obviously. And what do you, what do you expect? Mm-hmm. But I, but he he he's a intense player. He gives you his motor runs hot. Like he he gives you max effort all the time. So I never doubt his effort. And he's always he always finds his way to the ball, finds his way to the ball carrier. Like he's he's a max effort guy. Yeah. So I feel like if you give him more opportunities, he'll give you more. Um, I I, I don't I, he's on the field for less than thirty percent of the snaps. I mean, I can't. It's so hard for me to really. Um, say what a guy's giving me or not giving me if he's barely on the field in the first place. Um, just doing some math real quick. Um, Brandon Graham. Um, I th- and I think we talked about this yesterday. He's only played 365 snaps, right? And 365. Uh, what is that divided by uh 16 games? That's 
an average of 22 snaps. 20, yeah, 22. 22 snaps a game. And mm-hmm. that defense is on the field for about 70 snaps a game, 65 snaps. Yeah, he's he hasn't got a lot of shots. He's gotten a lot got, of shots. Got to get him on the field long, more, more than that, man. Yeah, I got agree. to. I agree. Uh, hey, let me give you one more thing from AJ. Um, that was interesting. He said in regards to Nick Sirianni, you remember the last play in Seattle, the interception, mm-hmm. which ended the game? He said the players improvised the final play against Seattle, resulting in the interception. And he said Nick fell on the sword for us. So for all the people killing him for that play, that's not what he drew up. No, I don't think we were killing him for the play. We were killing him for his reasoning behind it. You know, yeah, try to draw a pass interference. Yeah, 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 that was what we killed him for. I don't think we. But it sounds him. like he had, he made that up to cover up for those guys. That sounds okay. like he, he, according to AJ, it seems like he made up that story to cover up those guys from improvising a bad play. What are we doing at at this point in the season, and we're just improvising? And I, don't just I don't know. Playing cowboy. What are we doing? I mean, it's it's also part of the problem. What, what's part happening? Of the problem? The, what's what the identity? The what was the play that was <laughs> given to you that was you had to add lib off of it? I, yeah, right. I there we go. Now we're talking. What was the play that you felt like you couldn't execute, so you had to add lib? Yeah, right. So that, that, all right, know, there's that. A lot, again, a lot of smoke screens. A lot of a lot Don't of look uh, here, look there, shell game. Yeah, a lot of sleight of hand going on right now by AJ yeah. Brown. And look, I get it, man. He's what he's doing is he's he's throwing a lot out there for you to. You know, sink yeah. your teeth into, but you can't really get a good taste of what it is. You know, yeah. so yep, well said, oh, man. I I, 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 get, I get it. You know, I get it, man. It's a business, and PR is a big thing in in business, and um, I'm not buying any of it, obviously. Yeah. But you know, man, I, res- I, I listen, man. I respect this position. All right. Uh, elsewhere, in terms of the guys who have struggled this year, um, uh, there's no way I'm not putting Josh Sweat on there. I, I get the pressures. Yeah, I get he's going to tell you how close he's been all year and, and this and that. I'm sorry, man. You're in a sack business, right? You, you uh, Yes, I get it. You can you can definitely make an uh, impact hurrying a guy and, and hitting him after the throw and all that. But you need to get the quarterback on the ground. And there was a prime example of it Sunday. And I know Kyler Murray's elusive. But you got to finish plays. He hasn't finished nearly enough this year, for for my taste. I get it, you know, and I've I've been a Josh Sweat defender most of the year. Um, but I can't argue with, I can't argue with, you know, you know the logic, right? I can't argue with the guy who hasn't had a second with six weeks. Yes, was it something like that? So, like, not one. You know, I can't, I can't argue, I can't argue against it. Um. You know, I do like to lean on the fact that he is playing more snaps than he ever has in his career. But at the same time, at this point in your career, your motor should be running hotter. You should be in in, in best condition you possibly could be in. You know, I have no excuses really for uh, for Josh Sweat. He's a, he's a player that I've always believed in from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a career year last year. I've always felt like he could be a perennial double-digit sack guy because of his build, the frame, the size. Um, the speed uh, around the corner, the way he turns the corner, the length. Um, he's 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 the, he's your prototypical edge rusher the way he's built, and I just I just always felt like uh, he was a player that, that could be a perennial double digit sack guy. I don't know what the issue is this year. The only thing I can point to is he's playing more more snaps than he ever has, and um, he's not being optimized. But mm-hmm. again, it's hard for you to make a, make an excuse for the guy. No sack at six weeks though. That's one. Yeah, it's just I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't defend that. 
I'm going to throw this one into, I, I'm not going to say, well, let me ask you this before I get into going to the other category. Is there anybody else I've missed here? Oh, man. So for me, um, a guy that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough. See, the first part, and, and it's interesting because with this guy, the first part of the season, we were talking about things that were outside of his control, right? With he right. Him not getting opportunities. And then all of a sudden he battled an injury. And I'm talking about Dallas Goddard, right? Okay. A guy who has – I can't even say he's been good. I can't even say he's been bad. He's been very mid, yeah. very quiet. Mid's a good way to put it. Um, Because, obviously, the coaches had no idea of how to get him involved in the first part of the season, so that's not on him. But then the moment they start to really try to start to feed him, he gets hurt at the same point in the season as he did last year, man. That 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 doesn't sit right with me. Um, yeah. A guy who a guy that you're paying a lot of money, you're paying him top flight tight end money, can't stay healthy, and in my opinion, I think he's the most dangerous guy on the field. In my opinion, um, outside of AJ Brown, outside of Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift, outside of those guys, I think he's the most dangerous because he poses the most. He can Dallas Goddard can give you the most mismatches out of any out of any player on the field. In my opinion, mm-hmm. he's too. He's too shifty, too quick for linebackers. He's too big for safeties and corners. Yep. Um, he's too physical for the he's too physical for the slot corner. Um, don't drop back an edge rush and try to cover him. He, he's going to get torched. Yeah. And I just feel like he's never he's not being utilized in a way that can make this offense indefensible. And he can't stay healthy. So when I put those two things together. What are we paying him for? Right. Right. You know, just to be there and be a presence. And I like Dallas Goddard. I'm a Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard guy. Mm-hmm. But if he can't stay healthy and they can't find a way to get him the ball, why are you paying him? Yeah. You you, you get where I'm going with this? So, yeah, yeah totally. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to say he's had a good year or a bad year. He's had a quiet year, a, a mid year. And um, if he can't, if he can't, because his, his contract year is coming up, I believe, in the next, uh, I think he, I think next year he'd be a, in the contract year next year. I think so. Um. If he can't stay healthy, yeah, you got to think I, about. You, yeah. you got to think about. You got to think about life, life beyond him. Or he comes back way cheaper. Or 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 he comes back cheaper. Yeah, it's just that simple for me because he he got a big payday, mm-hmm. and at this rate, you ain't gonna get a you ain't gonna get one that large or even more than that for me if you can't yeah. stay healthy. Yeah, and, I, and again, this has nothing to do with how I feel about him as a player, talent wise. I think Dallas Goddard can can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. I think I think Dallas I think Dallas Goddard can is a mismatch for anybody you put in front of him. Yeah. I firmly believe that. Yeah. But if he can't stay healthy, what's the point? Agreed. Agreed. All right, I'm going to throw this one, and you may say bad. I'm, we could debate it. I'm going to put Jordan Davis in the quiet lately category because I do think he started off well. That said, I'm yeah. troubled. I'm, I'm not going to put him bad. No, I, I'm not I'll either. Say, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say mid, like quiet. I'm troubled that it's falled off like this though I, I expected consistency the whole year out of them and, and you know it's and, and to hear somebody like, that I respect like Brian Baldinger saying he's watching the all 22 and he can't believe the, the poor condition the guy's in like that that's that's not good man it's not good yeah. if Baldy's saying it yeah I believe it same you know Baldy is one of those guys that he's not a clickbait he's no not there's no poor. agenda there's, there's no, no agenda Baldy loves the game he's processing the game he watches the film I'm a huge fan of Baldy's breakdowns. I just love his energy, love the way he talks about the game. If he's seeing it, it's happening. It's real. Yeah. Like, 
Jordan Davis came out like a like a rocket, you know, like a you know, like a like a man possessed in the first part of the season. Yeah. Bye week comes around. Mm-hmm. None of those guys are the same. So I can't just put it on him, but right. mainly, but but since but since we are talking about him, he yeah. did not come back the same after the bye week. No. He did not. No. And you know, a guy who was getting TFLs in the first part of the season, he was getting sacks sprinkled in here and there. You couldn't even run near him. He was like a magnet. You get near him, he he's grabbing you. Right. So now um the motor's not running hot. Um, like Baldy said, he's falling on guys. And again, if Baldy says it, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, and part of Baldy's point was like you're, you know, you're hurting the other guys next to you too, where they don't have to worry about you as much. You know, you're taking away from their production uh with that also. So anyway, um, yeah. I, I would throw I I who else would fall into the quiet lately category for you? Um another another guy. Uh, it's so funny that we're talking about guys in the same draft class, Josh Sweat, Dallas Goddard, and Avanti Maddox. Um, yeah, that 2018 yeah. draft class has had an underwhelming 2023 campaign. That's true. Avanti Maddox, a guy who cannot stay healthy to save his life. Now, worse than Goddard. And, and, and it's they, ironic. Those two were buds, too. Yeah, right. Super yeah, tight. And they both got extended around the same time. All those guys got extended around the same time. Josh right. Sweat can't buy a sack. Um Avante Maddox can't stay healthy. Um, Goddard can't stay healthy, or they don't know how to use him. Yeah, that 2018 draft class is has been underwhelming in 2023, yeah. and Avante Maddox is uh, leading the pack. You got hurt in week one, week one. Then as soon as you get back, you tweak something again. You know, and you know, you said Nick said everybody should be a go for the Giants game, but right. Um, those are some guys like the Eagles are going to have to do a, a a lot of soul searching on this roster, and um, it's going to be an overhaul, man. Once again, this roster is going to look very different in twenty twenty four. I'll tell you what the, the like Maddox has now become the hold your breath every time he's making a tackle guy. Yes, you know you know what I mean. Yes. Like whenever I see twenty nine, I'm like get up, get up, get up. You know, and that's a tough way to do business, and I'm sure the team is too. Uh, even even last week, dude, I, and it looks like he's going to be okay, but he hurt his arm. He had to have X-rays on his arm, so yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. All right, let's um let's get it let's get a timeout and let's come back and do our NFL segment to close it out. Uh, give you some updates on injuries, some you know usual weird stuff with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the NFL did. <laughs> what else is new? The NFL did find David Tepper. We'll tell you how much. Um, so a lot of a lot of ground to cover between now and the end of the show. So don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won. We went straight to Broad Street, and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. 
go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back in, everybody. Final segment of the program. He's Tom. I'm Rob. Appreciate you hanging with us on this Wednesday. All right. Let's jump around the league a little bit here, Tone. Um, we talked about this yesterday. Um, I, w- I was ticked off. The NFL hadn't handed down a fine yet for David Tepper. Uh, they have now the owner of the Panthers, who, who, who alleged, not even allegedly, we all saw it. He tossed a drink on a Jaguar fan out of his, out of his luxury suite. Uh, he was fined $300,000. So the uh, the billionaire got fined $300,000, which is like <laughs> you and I getting fined about a buck 50 out of our, our, you know, the coin and the coins you have in the car in case you have an emergency. So I, I would, I think he should have been suspended for a game. Not allowed to attend his team's game this week. How about that? Yeah. I mean, that's just elitism at its finest. Um, dude, you don't, you don't disrespect paying customers like that. I don't care. I don't care what your, what, what your team 
did or didn't do. It's just not a good look. They, they, that owner is unhinged, man. He fires guys at the drop of a hat. Um, he, there's, there's no stability in that organization. The nope. Panthers are in a world of trouble. He bought them in what, 2019, 2018? He's, he's been a disaster in terms of coaches and GMs since he took them over. He's, he's running mm-hmm. through them. Like, you know, Frank Reich's got to be like, thank you. I'll collect my check for the next four years. and What bad yourself. luck by Frank Reich to have been connected to two of the worst-run organizations in football with ownership, Ursay yeah. and Tepper. And it may how, have driven how? him out. I think he might be done at this point. And not yeah. not that he's in bad shape. Fine, hey, go go. You know, enjoy the rest of his time on his island. But I'm I'm just saying, you know, he, it may have gotten him out of coaching. So, but or at least a head coach um job, right? Right, exactly. Um, all right, this is insanity. So Aaron Rodgers was on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and he made some passing reference to he can't wait for the for the Jeffrey Epstein list to come out. If you're not familiar with that, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, ended up taking his own life in prison and he is connected with uh, allegedly (laughs) allegedly abusing um, and, and basically turning young women into slaves and, and um, just bad stuff. You can, you can do the research on it. I don't even. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, It's really insane. Uh, You know, but he referenced Jimmy Kimmel and potentially being on the list. So Kimmel fired back and said, you know, keep it up. Dude, and we'll be talking in court, and you've you've now put my family in in jeopardy, and you won't see my name on any of these lists, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but it's like, I I, here's here's before I say anything else, I just wish Aaron (laughs) Rodgers would go. Please go away. Please just leave. Bye. I know. I I agree. Go away. (laughs) You're great. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't want to deal with you, hear from you, see you anymore. I just can't. Oh my God, the guy drives me nuts. But anyway. Oh, man. Yeah, that whole – yeah, Aaron Rodgers, uh, he's something else, man. And then with the whole Epstein thing, man, you know, that's – that. I mean, obviously all that stuff is true. Um, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I guess the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, it was interesting when, when – when, whenever he – they were about to find out some more information, he died in prison. Yep. So um, – <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So but anyway, again, we ain't got to stay too long on this. I, I know, but but it's just it's yet uh, another example of Aaron. Another Rodgers. example of Aaron Rodgers going against the grain and uh, being a maverick. Yeah. All right. On a, on a lighter note, and this is yes. much lighter. Uh, so the fans in Detroit have taken out boards now, saying that Decker reported. So that's off of the Cowboys game where allegedly the Lions claimed that they told the referee that you know, a couple of linemen were going to be eligible on the play and eligible mm-hmm. to report into the game. And the official said they did not. And it was a costly penalty, which, you know, ended up hurting them and pushing them back and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they're taking out billboards all along the uh, Detroit area. That sounds very Philly-ish. We wait, would do something like wait, that. Wait, so what's the real, What's what's been the verdict? Did they report or not? Or is the NFL keeping this thing under wraps? Well, one of the things the league is doing this week is they're trying to they're they're telling teams whenever they have somebody reported eligible that they do it a little bit more clearly. They're claiming there was some gray area. Uh, <laughs> I I it seems to me like and Dan Campbell went nuts. You know, it seems to me like it was they legitimately did report, but the the league is is claiming they did. You know what I think? Like to to your point, I think they did report. And I think that, and I think the official made an error, and mm-hmm. now they're just doubling down. Yeah, it sounds oh. like it sounds like the NFL, doesn't it? 
That's just that's honestly what I think happened. I I think I think those linemen reported, and if and in the NFL and the, the league is doubling down because the NFL, the last thing they want, if, if you say the thing about the refs, you get fined. So yes, they're trying to maintain the sanctity or the um. No boy. Uh, they're trying to maintain the uh, the credibility the credibility of their sport. Yeah. Um, with the referees, especially with betters involved, because there's a lot of money in that game. No question. And, and the last thing the NFL needs is people, you know, losing faith in the product. So, yeah, doubling down probably helps their bottom line in the long run. But people yeah. know what they pe- people know what they saw, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and it hurt lot- Detroit, man. It hurt Detroit to be the two seed. Yeah, you know, it's a big yeah. deal. It's a big deal. All right, yeah. elsewhere, the Jets cut Dalvin Cook. Now, this was mutually agreed upon. It, it even being cut this late in the season, he could still catch on with the team. Um, so, if there is a team that's headed into the playoffs um, that needs running back help, he could be a very interesting pickup for somebody. I you wouldn't know, be surprised. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't yeah, be it never worked out in New York this year, Tone. But I don't think this guy is completely done. Um, so that would just be somebody I'd watch out for, um, for one of these teams that needs a running back. It could be yeah. dangerous. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the, um, if the Cowboys made a move for him. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, San Fran tried to make a move, uh, even Baltimore. Mm. No, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. about that. All the contenders, um, all all the teams that legitimately believe they got a shot are going to make the move. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs, you know, Pacheco's been battling injury the past few weeks, but the Chiefs make a move for him. So, yeah, he, yeah. I, I think he'll have some suitors for sure. Okay. Yeah, just watch that one. Um, so the, the other thing is a couple of injury updates. Uh, Mahomes will not play this week against the Chargers. Um, Blaine Gabbert will play. You're, you're going to be seeing a lot of this, by the way. Uh, Joe Flacco will not play. Jeff Driscoll will play for the Browns. Uh, basically, uh, all the teams who realize their seating is not going to change. Correct. Regardless. Correct. I mean, th- th- let me tell you right now. Harbaugh hasn't confirmed it or not. No shot you see Jackson. Lamar Jackson's not going to play not. in that game. No, no, why no. would Brock Purdy play in the game for the Niners? Like, you know, we know where this where this is headed. They, I think the league also just wants these guys to hold off for a while, so <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, but it looks like just just back to the Eagles real quick here, Tone. It looks like, um, and now there is still a chance for the division, right? I mean, there is still a shot at the division, but it looks like, um, and some people w- don't want this to happen because it could be slippery. It's on that bad turf, but it looks like the Eagles are going to be full bore. Everybody's playing. I, I think they also need to play to get. Freaking something going right to roll into the playoffs. They don't deserve a day off. No, if you ask me, I mean, like, no. I mean, and, and, and I hate even talking like that. But what have they done to make you think that they need to rest guys in week eighteen or week yeah, yeah week eighteen? Like nothing. The the division is technically still in play, and they've looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Like these guys need all the reps they can get. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Uh, Jalen Hurts says A.J. Brown showed leadership by speaking to the team and appreciate him for doing that. So he addressed things with the team uh, behind the scenes. Um, that's Jalen's just starting to talk. So I'll give you as much as I can give you, you know, course, while, yeah. while he's yeah. while he's going. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah, I was just I was thinking, um, you know, A.J. I'm sure A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts talk regularly 
outside Agreed. the lines. You know what I mean? Even outside Novacare, I'm pretty sure they have plenty of conversations about what's going on. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if AJ Brown's telling Jalen, like, yo, dude, like, yeah, if, if, if I say it, I look like I can't. You, you got to be the one to say it. You got to you, you, you got to put your foot down, man. Like, you, right. you, like, 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 like this year team, we following you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to be the one to say, yo, coach, this not working. We got to do something else. Yeah. Like, like, like ASAP. Yep. And, you know, it's look, we're, we're, we're watching Jalen Hurts go through a maturation process as a franchise quarterback. This is his first year, you know, with the, you know, first year, you know, with the contract. The, the money won't kick in until March of this year. Um, so, look, with, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, shout out to Spider-Man and Uncle Ben. You know what I mean? It's you, 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 you <laughs> like got, Uncle you, Ben. He was, he was always good for some good advice, man. Exa- exactly, man. And not me. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. I'm a I'm a huge Marissa Tomei fan. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, you and me, you and me both, pal. Yes. <laughs> um, nonetheless, though, um, Jalen Hurts has to. Be and the by man. the way, I, I didn't have a lot of aunts that looked like Marissa Tomei. I'm, <laughs> I I don't know about you. <laughs> Listen, man, Marissa. I'll, I'll say this: Marissa Tomei. She's been she's been strong since the '80s. I agree. That that is that's been a well held up. Uh, anyway, yes, correct. Right. Not not many houses hold up like that. Correct. That's good foundation. <laughs> Great foundation. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, J- Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown, look, they got to be the catalyst, man. I they got to – the playoffs are starting. Look, everyone's 0-0 now. Once you get in, anything can happen, injuries and yep. whatever. Yeah, weird so, stuff. Yeah. Weird things happen in the playoffs all the time. But then I take it a step further and I say, well, this defense, even if strange things happen, can they take advantage of it? You know, yeah. that's, that's the, the big thing. Yeah, that that's the tone dead on. Team might be trying to tell you, here's a gift, man. Let me let me give you a gift on a platter. Like that that onside's kick. You get it at your own thir- at their 39, 39 yard line, excuse me. And you can't score a touchdown. That was the rare short field that you've gotten all year and you still can't punch it in there. That's right. You, all you can do is give somebody a gift. You can't make them take it, right? You can offer mm-hmm. it up, but the Eagles haven't been taking gifts this year. Uh, not that there have been a ton of them, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's right on, man. That is right on. Uh, so Saquon Barkley, the Eagles will play the Giants this week, um, and he said he's still open to getting something done uh, with the Giants in the offseason. He, he reiterated that he'd like to be a Giant for life. I don't know that if I'm him now, look, you, your family might love the area. That's different. I know he's, he's from, um, you know, uh, like the Whitehall area. That's not real far from North Jersey. Like I get all that, but like, if I'm him, maybe a change of scene isn't the worst thing in the world. You know? Yeah. See, Saquon, um, I think he doesn't get in New York if he wants to, you know, salvage whatever's left of his career. Cause from a talent standpoint, Saquon is arguably top five, top three, as far as talent at the position. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's what's his health been like this year? Um, and he's missed three, I think. I want to say it's been three games. Okay, this, at this point in in the, in the NFL, that's kind of the standard for the position, right? You're going to miss. You could if you if you got to start running back, be prepared for him to miss about two to three games a year. Is is is, is, yeah. is, is that a is that a reasonable um is that a reasonable expectation for that position at this point? Reasonable, especially in this sense, the guy has um. 
you know, he, he touches the ball a ton, obviously, you know, whether yeah. it's runs, passes, there's not a lot, unfortunately for him, there's not a lot of other options. Right. So right. I, I think the biggest thing they, they could do for him if they do bring him back is a, he's got to get better quarterback play, but there's also got to be better receivers where it's not all on him all the time. Yeah. Cause this season he's had 916 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns, average four yards a carry yep. along with 39 receptions. 229 receiving yards, averaging almost six yards uh, an attempt, or six yards a catch, and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So he's giving you eight total. He's giving you eight total touchdowns on the season, um, along with um, just over 1,100 yards in total yards from scrimmage. Yeah, and he's a- and he's averaging between four to five yards every time he touches the ball, and he and he's and he's protected the ball. He's only fumbled twice on the season. Mm-hmm. So Sikon Barkley is still productive and can be do- and can be very dangerous in a lot of different offenses. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to get done in New York, though. I think he needs to go somewhere else. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, all right. I did want to do this uh today and look at some of the, the lower seeded teams, most of which are already in ones on the outside looking in, in my estimation. Um all right, why don't you grab grab give me one on in either conference that you think is, is a lower seed right now mm. who's going to be super dangerous? Who would you say? I, I love this topic by you because um I think most of these teams exist on the AFC side. I agree with that. Um I agree. There's two that leap out, but go ahead. I don't want to right, right. You have you have, for, the, you have the floor. For me, and we talked about this, the most I think the most dangerous team in all the NFL. Going into the playoffs, the most dangerous team is the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills can beat anybody, mm-hmm. anybody, because of that man at quarterback, because of how, um, you know, they actually have a running game now. Yeah. Um, uh, defense has uh, really come on, too. Defense, the defense is playing better now that guys are, guys have settled in, you know, with the injuries and all that kind of stuff. Guys have guys begun to settle in into their roles. Um, you know, they're maximizing guys right now. I think the Buffalo Bills are the most dangerous team in the playoffs. Okay. And it um in, in the first round, if, if they stay at the number six seed, which likely they will, um if they if they face off against the Chiefs in the first round, I think they wax them. I think they I wax think they them, beat, really. I think they beat the Chiefs bad. Okay. Okay. I, I really do. Um and then if they get to the and then next round, they'll probably play what Miami. Yeah. I think they can beat Miami. I I hundred percent do. You know what I mean? Or 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 um if the if Miami knocks out the Colts, then that means the Bills will play the Ravens. I think the Bills can beat the Ravens too. Mm-hmm. The Bills are the most dangerous team in, in the playoffs in both conferences. What do you think? I agree. First of all, I agree. Everything you said with the, about the Bills is dead on. The other, my number two team overall. I, I'd say there's two other teams, but I'll just give you my first one. I'm going to stay in the AFC. I think the Browns are legitimately dangerous. Yes, for a lot yes, of reasons. Agreed. I think they're they the second play, most dangerous team in the league. They play big time defense, big time. They get after the quarterback. They can stop the run. They have a good secondary. They're a good linebacker they're, they're across the board defensively. Uh, I think they have an, a, a coach who maximizes what he has uh, they in, in Stefanski. And I think Flacco is in that Foles weird zone right now. Like whatever mm-hmm. it was, 
Whatever happened the last <laughs> few years doesn't matter. There's just something going on, man. And and I think I would really watch out for Cleveland. Um, and it's going to be fun. I'm actually – it's kind of fun to watch them uh, because, you know, everybody wrote them off. Um, but I would look out for Cleveland – if I would only give you one team in the NFC tone, and it's it's the Rams. I think the Rams are real. Their offense is so good, man. And Stafford with Puka Nakua and uh, Cup and that crew, and they're running the ball well. I I think the Rams are really dangerous. Yeah, the Rams are dangerous. Um, it's it's as sad as it sounds. Every team is dangerous to the Philadelphia Eagles going into the playoffs. Sure. Every team. Sure. You know. Several weeks ago, if you would have asked me, oh, yeah, if the Eagles are a wild card or whatever, do, do I fear the Rams or the Buccaneers or, or do I even fear the Lions, right, mm-hmm. or the Packers? And I would have said no. No, I don't fear any of those teams. The only teams I, the only teams I pay attention to are the Niners and the Cowboys. But now I think the Eagles can get beat, can get beat by anybody in any kind of way any week. Yeah. And, and, and that's the position that they put themselves in. We didn't create this. We didn't make this up. We've been watching the games every week like everybody else. And guess what? They have shown an inability to um, dominate the opposition that they're supposed to dominate. And they've shown, and they, and they've shown an, an inability to um, elevate their play and get out of their own way. That's who they are. That's who they've been. And um, it's hard for me to believe that it's just going to end come the playoffs. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And, and look, what – McVeigh's ability to scheme things up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think LA is is a team to watch. If I if I was going to throw anybody else in there, as, as weird as this sounds, it, it'd be the Eagles. I, I like I, I we've all me too sort of written them off. They do have the championship pedigree caliber uh, or, or caliber pedigree. Um, I I think they would. I think things would have to play right in the first round for them. And then there could be some momentum carried mm-hmm. over, but you're likely going to have to go to probably Dallas, probably, mm-hmm. right? If, if I'm the Eagles are dangerous, if they can figure it out. And that's the thing we doubt. So, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I would let me put it to this way the Bills and the Browns and, and even the Rams, I would put ahead of them in terms of like dangerous later seeds. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I definitely because, because because of the coaching. Um, yeah. The, the, the Bill, the, the Browns are getting. A one coaching right now by Stefanski. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Rams are getting top tier coaching from Sean mm-hmm. McVay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's his name? McDermott has turned things around. He has. With, uh, you know, with the Bills, he was. He, People he talking was, about him being in trouble, man. He like, was. Hey, he, he he was hanging on the razor's edge, but he managed yeah. to he he managed to galvanize the troops. And mm-hmm. you see those traits that are standing through the test of winning and losing and standing through the test of time with Sean McVay and Stefanski and McDermott. And, you know, even Matt LaFleur, uh, the Packers who were dead in the water, and somehow some way he has to make attention for a playoff spot at the seventh seed. I mean, um, you know, you're looking at these teams that have been through some trial, uh, some trials and tribulations throughout the season and you didn't really know what they were, and yet these coaches have found ways to galvanize these guys and keep them locked in, keep them engaged, and maximize their potential. That's where Nick Sirianni is failing. He's failing at noticing the issue, minimizing or alleviating the issue, and keeping the guy's belief high. You know what I mean? Even the Buccaneers, Ty Bowles has their belief high right now. No doubt. Matt LaFleur has the Packers belief high. Sean McVay mm-hmm. has the Rams belief high. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, Stefanski doing an amazing job. Lost two or three losses, top three quarterbacks. Yeah. And brought in Joe Flacco and four offensive linemen. Yep. Four offensive linemen. So when I look at Nick Sirianni, I'm like, bro, you have no excuse to be looking this bad. This team has no excuse. All these other teams have real issues and they battle it. Mm -hmm. What's what's your excuse, Nick Sirianni? Make it make sense for me because the common denominator is they're good at their job and you're not. Correct. You're correct, man. That's I don't buy it. I mean, you've especially been pretty healthy on the offensive side for the most part, uh, especially. And then you didn't have like you've had some real injuries on the defensive side. But but you know what? Not more than everybody else deals with in this league. That's for sure. Um, exactly. All right. That was a lot of fun today, Tone. We'll keep it rolling uh, back tomorrow. So, Tone, we'll be hopping on with Dan Cilio for the National Football Show. That'll be next. I want to thank everybody in the chat. Appreciate you guys, everybody streaming, uh, everybody listening. Uh, and we'll, we'll continue to get you set for not only the Eagles and the Giants, but also the Eagles and, and the postseason and, and just where things are. Well, more more discussion on uh, you know some of the things that were said today from AJ, from Jalen, from Nick, et cetera. We'll dive further into that tomorrow. But a lot of fun as always. Tone, listen, have a great rest of your Wednesday, my man. And uh, looking forward to hanging out with you tomorrow. All right, everybody, thanks. We appreciate it. We are Sports Take. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.